All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and action securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. You're listening to the Northern Hunter Podcast, home of all things hunting, fishing, and outdoors in Alaska. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. My name is James Payne. I'm your host, and I'm sitting here with Northern Hunter co-founders, Belton Gray. Hello. And Mariah Humphreys. Hello. All right, so we are pre-recording this one a little bit. It's going to come out, I believe, this one's the 22nd of May, so what we we looked at there yeah and so somewhere right around there hopefully the snow is gone everybody's got their baits out <laughs> we are going to be continuing the conversation on bear baiting so if you're uh, struggling to get any bears in or maybe it's your first year pay attention we're going to be talking today about what bait to use um what sense to use how to get the bears into the bait we uh probably aren't going to touch on exactly how to hunt in this one just because we tend to be long-winded but yeah um definitely stretch these out you know but between shows you know yeah but yeah we're gonna be talking all about that so hopefully pay attention maybe you'll be able to change some things up with us pre-recording a little bit uh we're not going to do any listener questions in the beginning of this one and uh but i did want to point out uh one one question we got from kyle out of uh south dakota um we really appreciate your, your question he was asking about moose hunting and just to let everybody know, we will be covering a lot of that into closer into like the July time period when yeah. you're going to start doing your scouting and you're looking around and bear kind of calms down a little bit, but we're all just a little obsessed with the bears right now. So and yeah, I, I feel like with as much bear baiting as we three do, mm-hmm. it's important. And and with how prevalent it is up in Alaska and with how successful it is yeah. as a management tool for up here. Right. It's very important. And, and well, not just up here, but any state that can bear bait. Yep. Uh, it's, it's very important to top, to uh, touch on that topic and really be mm-hmm. educating folks and trying to, trying to help them improve their success. Kyle, we appreciate you writing into the show. We will get to that question. And anybody else that writes into the show, uh, we're going to try to start answering some of their questions more directly. So if you email the show at the info at the northern hunter.com or you hit us up on our socials, uh if you search at the northern hunter on either Facebook or Instagram, you can send us messages there. Just keep an eye out there. Typically we answer the questions in the show, but because we're we're right. all hunting, we're right. all getting out there, we're we're gonna keep trying to get these episodes out every week for you guys. Yeah. But uh through that, there is going to be some time gap sometimes between recording mm-hmm. and release right. date. So right. keep an eye out on your your emails if you emailed us or your DMs if you DM'd us. Yeah. So I think the best way to get a quick response is to you know, DM us on one of our Instagrams. Mm-hmm. It was like, if, if you've got, especially if it's a specific question, somebody said something about on the podcast. Right, yeah. You know, if Dalton said something about his 3.38 RPM that you have a question about, 
find him on Instagram and DM him. Sure. Like that's yeah, the best sure. way to get a response. Because if you email, it might be a couple weeks before we get an email back out to you. Well, right. we're going to be focusing we're, a lot more on We're on trying that. to get better about it. But, Usually it takes a week because we're trying to work it into a show. But, but yeah, just, but, yeah. just saying that's the easiest sure. way to get a response. Yeah. yeah. And if you would like to support the show, uh, you can definitely head over to thenorthernhunter.com. That's our website. Uh, we do have a contact us button there too. That'll, if you are wanting to, to contact us, but if you'd like to support the show, we have a bunch of great sponsors. Uh, Mo set up a really cool uh, partners page. Is that what it's called? Partners? Or yes. Is it yeah. And so go there. It's real pretty. He did a great job designing it. Make sure you send him an Instagram message about what a good job he did. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> leave a review on the podcast. Yeah. Leave a review on the podcast. And, uh, but yeah, all of those companies, you know, they, they, like the show they really believe in what we're doing and we really appreciate their support and everything they do mm -hmm. uh, dalton why don't you go into a little bit about what they are yeah so right now we have uh five different folks that we're working with uh on that list is batum 907 we have a discount code through them so any of your scents and attractants and lures that you might need for your bear baiting uh, which we heavily recommend uh, we get uh, a listener discount through them with the discount code tnhp at checkout mm -hmm. we also have yukon river knives that uh, has the discount code the Northern Hunter at checkout. They have a bunch of great knives. We talk about them quite a bit um, for uh, for taking apart your game, skinning, fleshing, whatever it is, butchering, right. processing. It, you need it. They have it. Yeah. And then also uh, we have a discount code through Stealthy Hunter with Ryan Lamper's website on stealthyhunter.com. All of their nutritional supplements as well as their gear items like rifle covers, glassing pads, um, and all kinds of nutritional supplements for you in the backcountry. And again, that discount code is as well the Northern Hunter at mm -hmm. checkout. Get your discount there. And again, any any discount that we have helps support our show. Mm -hmm. So uh, if if you want to help us keep doing what we're doing, uh, I know I know we said it a couple weeks ago, but uh, podcasting ain't free, and <laughs> yeah. uh, we're trying to do this more and more. So if you like what we're doing and you want us to keep doing it then uh, the best way to help us do that is to leave us a review mm -hmm. and uh, and rate the show on whatever platform you're listening to, and then yeah. also shop our discount code products. Now, two other folks that we're working with right now are Weatherby and Hammer Bullets, mm -hmm. Weatherby Rifles. I, uh, I, I know I touched on this a few weeks ago. Um, at the time of this recording, I've been working up a hand load for my uh, Backcountry 2.0 338 mm -hmm. RPM yeah. uh, rifle. It's an 18-inch barrel carbon fiber stock. Uh, without a scope, it weighs 5.4 pounds, and uh, with a scope, I think I'm at like six and a half, uh, nice. maybe six and three quarter pounds topped out. And uh, I, I've been reloading hammer bullets for that. I've got a bunch of bu bunch of rounds loaded up now that I settled on a load. I, I'm shooting the 205 grain power hammer, mm -hmm. 338 round. And I'm now, now the power hammer is the new shock hammer, isn't it? I, isn't I, I believe okay. so. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. But because on that bullet description it says formerly the shock hammer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A anyway, so I've been shooting those, and I'll I'll kind of touch a little bit about what I dealt with there, and this is a really interesting thing that I found with this gun. So I worked up a load for it. I, I bought some factory ammo off the shelf at Sportsman's. Mm -hmm. And uh, just for the barrel break-in, which I, I I do a pretty abbreviated barrel break-in nowadays. I, I don't do like the whole 20-round mm, shoot clean, yeah. shoot clean through 20 rounds and all that. Some guys love that. Um, I haven't found that to be necessary as much as I used to think it was. Mm -hmm. Usually nowadays I'll do a five-shot break-in. Um, I'll shoot one round pull a snake through it with a copious amount of solvent in it and just pull it through real slow, just mm -hmm. kind of, you know, 
tap on that string and pull it through um, just real slow, making sure that you get that bore solvent really on that barrel mm. and then pull it through again quick and then shoot two, do that cleaning again and then shoot three and then do that cleaning again. And then that's pretty much all I do. Mm-hmm. And that that for me works just fine. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've talked to a bunch of different guys about and uh, people that are very, very knowledgeable in the rifle community and they that's all they do so that's Mm. all i do you know yeah so i did that on that 338 rpm and i ended up shooting just to test the velocity um between the 24 inch barrel and the 18 inch barrel models of that gun right because the box velocity on those 225 grain acubons that i was able to get from sportsman's was 2800 and change right yeah then that's for a 24 inch test barrel. Mm-hmm. And with my barrel being six inches shorter, I was curious what my velocity loss was going to be. And it ended up being right at about 2,700 feet per second, just a hair under uh, with an 18 inch barrel. So, you know, it, it's. That makes sense. 120 feet per second. I, I know, I know loss. the standard expected loss per inch for a your average cartridge, it'll change depending on efficiency, but it's about 20 to 30 feet per second per so inch of barrel. some can so, be up to 45 feet per second I've seen per those higher than that. Yeah. yeah. So generally, the bigger you go in caliber, mm-hmm. the larger calibers that you shoot, the less deviation you see with barrel loss. Right. That's why the Ruger guide guns and all, all these shorter guide style right. rifles, mm-hmm. They can shoot 20-inch barrels, 18-inch barrels, because you're not losing that much velocity. Right. The difference between velocity on a 26-inch barrel, um, let's just say 26 nozzler, mm. and an 18-inch 20, uh, 26 nozzler mm. would be drastic. Yeah. Very, very well, drastic. And a lot of it has to do with case style and powder used, too, right. because if they're using a slow-burning powder versus a fast-burning powder, that'll change right. quite right. a bit as well. So long story short, I ended up shooting about 65 rounds through that rifle after the break-in process Mm -hmm. with no cleaning in there, okay? And a lot of people subscribe to the theory of just shoot it after you break it in, don't clean it until you lose accuracy. Mm -hmm. And that's usually, you know, a, a few hundred rounds in anyway. And I haven't done that before. I usually run a bore snake through with some solvent after mm-hmm. I'm done with a shooting session. And that's always worked great for mm-hmm. me. And I, I've always gotten good groups out of that. But I was trying that dirty barrel method mm-hmm. with this gun. And with the factory ammo, I was getting about an inch or so five shot groups with those factory 225 Acubons, which is great. Yeah. Especially, especially for a gun of that design. Yeah. A five-shot group is a really hard test on a hunting rifle. Mm-hmm. Most hunting rifles will not shoot a sub-MOA five-shot group. Well, and most, most of, the, won't. of the guarantees when you're looking at these rifles that say like 0.99 MOA guarantee, they're that's, guaranteeing a three-round shot. That's a three-shot group, yeah. mm-hmm. correct. So the five-shot group is a really strenuous test for mm-hmm. a rifle, right? And, uh, you know, it, for instance, if you have like a number one contour Kimber mountain rifle, mm-hmm chambered in 300 wind mag i would be stunned if anybody could shoot a five shot group under an inch with that rifle because by the time you shoot shot five that barrel is hot 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 oh, yeah i was gonna say it depends on how fast you're trying to shoot those five rounds but yeah if it's yeah well yeah anyway yeah. <laughs> in, in normal group succession i i would be very surprised if anybody could pull that mm-hmm. off w- with a barrel of that style so this is a number two contour with flutes i believe yep on this 338 rpm and 
I was shooting hand loads in there as well, just testing velocity on kind of a ladder test. I was using, I, I am using Varget for my mm-hmm. powder, which is a pretty fast burning powder. Yes. And uh, I, I wanted to get those 205 power hammers approaching that 2,900 feet per second or more. And um, obviously watching for pressure. You mm-hmm. know, you, you, every round I'm looking at the primer, I'm looking at the back of the case, I'm seeing when i lift the bolt i'm not doing it fast mm-hmm. i'm checking to see how hard the bolt lift is if if the case is really tight in the right. chamber then you know that you're a little bit too yeah. hot of a load right these are yeah. all signs of pressure and so i worked up my ladder test i didn't hit my pressure and i was at like 2850 mm. so i came back the next day and i ended up shooting another 20 something rounds so and, and and by that point, I found my velocity uh, and I found my pressure. My pressure ended up being, my pressure related to velocity was about 2950. Mm-hmm. So backed off a little bit. Most of my other loads with quarter grain increments just underneath that, they were all shooting about 2930 from X grain to X grain, right? Just under my top pressure load, the previous four in quarter grain increments, a grain less, mm-hmm. were all shooting 2930. When you start to plateau like that, you know that you're pretty much at your top end of velocity capability. So at 29.30, I decided to go with that powder charge. And I, uh, I came back with another 12 loaded up at that charge. Mm-hmm. And I shot, for, I shot for groups with that one, obviously. And I, I, it was usable. I thought, uh, I thought maybe I would get under an inch for at least three shot groups. And I was getting about an inch to an inch and a quarter groups, which I thought, well, you know, I guess maybe that's all this gun will do. Mm. And I was shooting the steel targets out there at the berm at the range at about 3.30. And, you know, some of them would hit the steel and some of them wouldn't because an inch and a quarter spread on a, yeah. on a you know, I, I don't know if it's eight or 10 inches steel plate. Right. A little bit of deviation goes a long ways at, at 300 yards. Right. And that's not even that long of a shot, your, right? Your MOA doubles per 100 yards. Doubles or goes up so, per? So 100 is one inch, 200 is two inch, 300 is three inch. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. Anyway, so. Um, Just for people listening, the, I, the, the one inch, one and a quarter inch at 100 yard yeah, yeah. spread would be. Right. Yeah. More yeah. than that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I got back. I loaded up. All, my, all the rest of my brass and all, you know, a lot of the rest of my bullets that I had for it, you know, 70 something rounds now um, with these hammers at that powder charge, because mm-hmm. I thought, well, you know, that's, that's 2930 for velocity. That's mm-hmm. a 575 yard maximum for killing because I hit my 1800 feet per second minimum expansion velocity at that distance. So mm-hmm. that's plenty far enough for what I'm going to do with that rifle. Right. And that's a long shot. So I went back to the range thinking, you know, I, I wonder what would happen if I cleaned this because that's what I always used to do. So I took a boar snake and uh, I, again, a lot of solvent and I cleaned it and cleaned it and cleaned it like it was clean, clean, clean. And I went back and shot and these are the same loads that I'd been shooting before mm-hmm. that were shooting an inch and a quarter. Sometimes I would get a little bit less, you know, uh, just under an inch for a three-shot group. But a five-shot group was generally just over an inch, which is, again, not bad. Mm -hmm. But I was 
expecting to have well under an inch for three shot groups and right about an inch with five shot groups. Mm -hmm. I went back with the clean rifle Mm. and shot and I was getting half inch or better three shot groups and under an inch five shot groups. Very nice. With a clean barrel. Yeah. And I took it out to the steel and it was center after center after center. I shot mm-hmm. four or five rounds at 330, brought it back in and made sure that my turret was tracking. Mm-hmm. I'm shooting a VX5 loophole scope on that rifle. And I, I was very impressed. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, that gun at 60 something rounds was enough to degrade the accuracy enough that it made my groups spread out another half inch or three quarters of an inch sometimes. Right. So with a three shot group, they're in a clover leaf, all touching mm-hmm. at 100 yards. That's fantastic. That's what I was expecting to get out of a hand load, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I, I guess just a quick, uh, just a quick overview of, of how that's been going. Yeah. It shoots real well. Um, that gun, it, it does have some snap to it. I'll probably change out the muzzle brake this summer. Right. At the time of recording, you know, I'll, I'll, um, well, when this gets out, I'll be out in the field um, mm-hmm. guiding brown bear hunts mm-hmm. down uh, down in the Gulf. And, uh, you know, this is this has been a learning curve with this rifle. There, <laughs> there are a few things that are a little bit different. I, I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a very handy gun. I really like the design of it. It's a very nice rifle. But um, this is not – I'm not used to shooting – a rifle of this caliber mm-hmm. in a package this lightweight. Yeah. And um this close to me leaving because at the time that we're recording I'm leaving very shortly to go guide for the yep. spring season. And so I didn't have time to order a new TI Pro side baffle brake which I've been told that uh, I was actually talking to Ryan about this and he switched out his brake mm. on on all of his 338s to the TI Pro. Um, side baffle break. And he said that makes a huge difference from the factory radial break. It does work well, yeah. but it's still pretty jumpy and still has a lot of snap to it. Well, the biggest difference there is is with a radial break, you have equal ports all around right. the bear. And, right. and anybody who's looked at them, I mean, it looks like a, I don't know, like a, just a round version of Swiss cheese. It's just, there's holes everywhere, right? Yeah. And so yeah. the problem there is you run into having just as many ports facing down as right. you do facing up. Right. So it jumps. And so it, yeah, it doesn't yeah. actually do anything for your muzzle jump. It might right. reduce the recoil a little bit, right. but you're still going to have that, right. that rise. Yeah. Right. And I have no doubt that it's reducing the recoil substantially mm-hmm. with a gun that light. I wouldn't want to shoot it without some so, kind yeah. of a break. Take it no. off and see what it's like. Or a suppressor <laughs> or a suppressor for that matter. Mm-hmm. Right. And if any gun was ever built for a suppressor, an 18 inch barrel lightweight mm-hmm. mountain rifle, that'd be perfect to put a can on it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So at some point down the road, I'll try that. But this summer I'll be switching out before fall season and putting a mm-hmm. TI pro side baffle break on it. Yeah. Other than that, Gun shoots great, loads work awesome, and those hammer bullets. I mean, I I I, w- I went with just factory max overall length mm-hmm. that'll that'll feed properly, and uh, you know it. The loads went easy. I mean, it, it wasn't. Uh, it, it's it's not picky. Yeah, you know? and, and that's something that I was talking with Steve over at Hammer about. He said that for the most part, loading hammers, uh, hand loading hammer bullets. Seating depth is rarely where you have to adjust anything right. to get accuracy. 
Uh, so that that's that's really great, you know. That yeah. that's that's awesome. That uh, you know, it seemed to be pretty easy to load for. Good. Right. Um, Good. You definitely want to start out because of the reduced bearing surface on hammers. Mm-hmm. You definitely want to start out at the lower end of your um, load chart. Yeah, you don't want to start at the middle of a pack on load data from conventional style bullets. Mm-hmm. You're going to reach your top end sooner than you think. And I did with this. And I, I'm not going to say how much of a how many grains of powder of Varget I used <laughs> because I don't want somebody to go off of that and then right. blow their gun up. You need to do it responsibly. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how to do it, then find a friend who is an, um, who is an experienced reloader that can help you look for those pressure signs. Because right. the last thing you want is to blow a primer in the field or have a stuck case mm-hmm. on a hunt. And uh, now you got your rifle without a commission. Right. So Right. Yeah. I'm out working up load for the 4570 with the hammers. I got the 276 shock hammers. Okay. And uh, yeah, they advertise those going, I think, in a 24-inch barrel, getting 2,400 feet per second out of right, them. Right, yeah. And nice. I, I worked up some loads on last weekend and was getting, I, I, I think I was getting close to 1,800 feet per second and mm-hmm. working up another set of loads on some other. I've, I've been, I did a bunch of research, and I think I'm going to be able to get around 2,200 feet per second in my 18-inch barrel Yeah, out of those, which is... With the right powder, which is which is yeah. really going to be, which will be really impressive if I can do that, and hopefully, actually, right after we record this, I'm going to be out there doing that. Nice, yeah. Just a quick pointer for for somebody who might be setting up their their rifle setup for this coming season. Um, if you're not familiar with what Dalton was talking about with the barrel break-in process, that's something that a lot of people recommend for uh, providing more accuracy. Barrel manufacturers will recommend it when you first order a barrel and put it on your rifle, or even some gun manufacturers will recommend it. Yeah. There's a lot of back and forth talk about it online as far as whether it's legitimate or whether it's not. Yeah. But the, the basic concept is that you're you're shooting a bullet and then you're you're cleaning. You're shooting a bullet and you're cleaning. And yeah. you're shooting two bullets and then you're cleaning. And then you shoot three bullets and then you're cleaning. Yeah. And the whole process of that is to basically smooth out any imperfections inside right. the barrel that happened during the manufacturing any process. burrs in the steel. Burrs yeah. or pits or anything that may have right. happened while they were manufacturing it. And if you get a, a good, you know, hand-lapped barrel, then you really don't have to worry about it too much. But, right. but a lot of the uh, data that's come back is that you really don't need to do that. And a lot of what that comes down to is more so like I do a lot like what you said with um, doing a quick, a yeah. quick break in, right. right? You're not right. shooting because a lot of these barrel breaking processes are 20 plus yeah. rounds or yeah. more. You know, you're yeah. there at the range all afternoon cleaning your rifle. Yeah. Um, and it, I'm not saying it's a bad process, but a lot of that can be eliminated by simply cleaning your rifle before you take it out to the range the first time. Mm-hmm. A lot of what that barrel break-in does is it gets all of those uh, oils and everything. When you order a new rifle or buy a new rifle and you pull it out of the box, technically speaking, you can go shoot it, but there is so much oil in that thing that any of that carbon, that powder burn, that the it's going to get so dirty so quick mm-hmm. that you really want to make sure you're throwing some solvent through there. Um, a quick pointer, just in case somebody doesn't know, is if, if you run solvent through your barrel, make sure you follow that up with oil. Oil will neutralize the solvent after a certain number of minutes. Um, and cause you don't want to leave solvent in your barrel for a long extended period of time. That'll create pitting. That'll create issues. Right. right. Um, and so if you're going to be doing a bore snake or you have a, a cleaning rod and you're going to be pushing solvent through there, make sure that you're then following it up, drying it off and then running a, a, a bit of oil through there just to neutralize that solvent so you're not eating away at your your right. action of your barrel right but um honestly 
as long as you're taking care of your rifle and you mm-hmm. do like a quick break in, like you were talking about, Dalton, yeah. that's going to be plenty to get good accuracy right. with just about even even with factory loads. Right. Um, the other point I was wanting to make is comparatively with that 338 that you have, mm-hmm. you said that's six and a half pounds with optic on it. Yeah, six and a half to six and three quarters. Yeah. So compare that to a, a previous favorite of all of ours, which is Tika. Tika yeah. makes a rifle called the Superlight. Yeah. And the Superlight in these Magnum calibers that we're talking about um, with 300 wind mags, seven millimeter rem mags, things like that, those are mm-hmm. usually cranking out at about, what, about 6.2, 6.1, somewhere in there, dry. I would have to look it up, but probably somewhere in My there. My wisdom is 6.2 pounds without a scope. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're taking a, a rifle that's, an even higher caliber than that mm-hmm. and in a package that is exponentially lighter right when you look at it because with a scope you're going to be up in the seven pound range and somewhere just right. just to be clear this 338 rpm is not using the weatherby nine lug action right this yeah. this cartridge is derived from the 65 rpm where mm-hmm. they just blew out the neck size to 338 mm-hmm. and so it's it's not it doesn't look like a big Magnum cartridge. It really <laughs> yeah, doesn't. Right. Um, and and comparatively speaking, the grains of powder that I used compared to what you would load a 338 Win Mag with mm. oh, yeah. is quite a bit less. Yeah. And I'm getting equal to and greater than average velocity that most guys get out of a 338 Win Mag. Yep. And, and I believe that's what they were advertising is. Right. Is it's, it's, they were able to create a light rifle that shoots the 338 it's, caliber bullets. Yeah. It's con- to to a similar right. comparative velocity. Yes, but what I was I was going to get at is is you're going to hear a lot of guys talk about with long range hunting or hunting in general that yeah. the heavier rifles are better that you you want that heavy and to kind of explain that a little bit for people that aren't into that the reason is you can you can basically settle on a target a lot easier with a heavy rifle your micro movements aren't going to be as exaggerated when you have a heavier barrel, you have a a much more supported stance. You're, you're shooting something that you can just kind of prop it into its position aimed at the animal. And it's not going to, you're not going to notice every little shake that you make. And you're likely going to be able to spot a lot more of your impacts too. Right. With a little bit heavier rifle. It's going to give you a lot less recoil. It's going to give you a lot less muzzle jump. Right. Um, Especially when you get into that, number three number four or number three is not too bad but number four number five contour barrels yeah those are like super my heavy Bergara had yeah um and you're gonna hear that a lot from a lot of people for normal hunting ranges though um yeah. being inside 400 yards inside 500 at most right. yeah um a light rifle is not a bad choice but you need to make sure you're focusing on your practice yes the reason that light rifles have a history of being less accurate is because not because of the platform itself but because of the shooter right because when you get down prone and you're behind a 12 13 pound gun yeah it's a lot easier to be stable than it is behind a six and a half pound seven pound gun you need to focus a lot on on your breathing right on your stability you know making sure you have your core solid you're not shaking you're not because all of those are going to get translated so much more into the scope into your field of view right and so if you watch any technical shooting videos Mm -hmm. okay i'll i'll reference somebody to another individual in the hunting community brady miller he works over at go hunt that guy is a shooting maniac Mm -hmm. and i i i I really enjoy watching Brady shoot. He goes to shoot almost every day. He really likes those Browning McMillan X-Bolt long range rifles and 300 Ultra Mag, mm-hmm. big time hand loader. 
And uh, that guy can shoot some obscene distances, but his rifle is 14 plus pounds. Right. Now, the basic mechanics of how he shoots, though, he loves to shoot prone. Obviously, you have to for shooting those ridiculously long ranges, Mm -hmm. even practicing. But being straight behind the rifle when you're prone instead of cocked off to the side Mm. is a big deal. It is, yeah. It, It causes the rifle to react differently during recoil. And that will affect how well the rifle shoots. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, when you buy a super lightweight rifle like this, the next thing you ought to order after you buy this gun is a bipod from Mm -hmm. Spartan Precision. Right. I've got one of their original Javelin Light bipods. It's not, it doesn't have the extendable legs on it. Right. It just, you get a little adapter with the bipod. You just replace your front swivel stud for your sling Mm -hmm. with this little adapter with a magnetic insert um, and shoot that bipod at the range, you know, Mm -hmm. use that and use a rear support bag rest and then use your left hand. If you're a right hand shooter, use your left hand underneath the butt of the rifle for Mm -hmm. your support side and don't have anything touching the forearm of that gun. Right. That's, that's not how anybody in the shooting community will tell you how to shoot. Mm -hmm. If you're going to shoot for great accuracy and you watch any of these guys shoot, prone or on a bench right that left hand if they're a right hand shooter that left hand is underneath the rear of the gun you just call it your offhand yeah and using that lightweight bipod it only weighs like seven ounces mm-hmm. uh, actually maybe even less um using that lightweight bipod and learning to load the bipod and push into it a little mm-hmm. bit but not too much but using that will greatly help you in the field now i have right. one more thing to add about lightweight guns a lot of folks well, you know, I don't need to shoot a bipod. I just shoot off my pack. Okay. I'm going to give you a little story here. I was at the range with, uh, with a couple of friends of mine, and we were shooting off some packs, just getting used. To, I, I was trying to get this one fella used to shooting off a pack. And he was shooting an old Model 70 Featherweight uh, six, mm-hmm. And... I noticed that, you know, a few shots of his would be, you know, dead nuts, bullseye at 100 yards. And then a few shots, you know, the, the, the next group that he would shoot would be left. And then the next group would be right. And then the next group would be center. And I thought, man, what, 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 is, what is going on here? And I'm asking him, like, is your, are, hmm. are, are you pressing the trigger, not pulling the trigger? You know, I, I mean, you, and obviously that, that's another term that, I, I, I prefer the term pressing the trigger like you're pressing a button with, mm-hmm. the, w- with that pad of your index finger instead of pulling it because yeah. that just helps it in your own mind. It, it, you need to be careful about how you're pulling the trigger. You, know? you don't want to pull it. But anyway, that's a whole other subject. But I was asking about his trigger mechanics. I was asking about his, his rear support. And he's like, yeah, I'm doing everything the exact same. Well, come to find out, he was placing the fore end of the stock in some different places on this backpack. Hmm. When he would place the backpack directly underneath the stock of the rifle, he would shoot center groups because he sighted in the rifle using bags for a support with the only point of contact being at the bottom of the rifle. Mm-hmm. When, he would, when he would have the rifle and it was trying to kind of slough off a little section of the backpack where there was point of contact out at like a... Um, an angle from the diagonal left or from the mm-hmm. diagonal right, that would cause the rifle to 
um, jump the other direction. Yeah. And his groups were affected by it. His mm-hmm. point of impact mm-hmm. was greatly affected by it. Well, and your so, point of impact will be affected by any any change if in your you're, shooting rest. If you're in so. the field and you have an animal you know, out on the mountain somewhere and you're going to take a 400 plus yard shot and you're going to shoot off your pack, you better well make sure mm-hmm. that when you shoot off your pack, you don't have a rest that's going to force your rifle one way or the other. Yeah. It needs to be perfectly up, down, stable, resting straight down mm-hmm. on whatever you're going to shoot off of. Yeah. That's why when you lean up against a tree, you don't put the barrel right against the tree, right? You 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 have that left hand as a right. right-hand shooter holding up against that tree, and then the rifle sits on your hand mm-hmm. so that you're not holding the rifle up against the tree and getting that exact same problem. Right. Well, and a, a lot of that just falls back to practice, yeah. right? If you're gonna, if you think you're gonna be in a situation where you might need to shoot a certain style, practice that style. Yes. Don't don't shoot off the bench, and especially don't shoot off a lead sled. No, all the time, and then think you're good to go out in the woods. Get yeah. off the get off the lead sled. Get mm-hmm. off the bench. Shoot shoot prone. Shoot crouch. Shoot kneeling. Shoot you know. I, with I have hand a, support up against a railing. Things like that. Every rifle I've shot for the last number of years, I zero it off of mm-hmm. a bipod and a bag for a rear rest. Yeah. yeah, that's the only way I shoot now. And with the creation of these lightweight bipods like the Javelin, yeah. um, that really does bring the bipods to universal use a little bit more right. because a big reason, including myself, people including myself, have avoided bipods in the past because. That adds an extra pound to the end of your gun. Right. You know, that adds extra weight. It throws it off balance. Right. It makes it harder to shoot in other positions. Right. And in a lot of areas, especially here in Alaska, you can't always get on a bipod. Right. There is tall grass, there's right. brush, there's things that might be in the way, especially if you're moose hunting Absolutely. or anything like that. Absolutely. Um, if you're sheep hunting, caribou hunting, things like that, you're pretty much guaranteed a bipod position. But yeah. even then, not, yeah. you know, not but, always. Yeah. But so I've, shot off my backpack a lot in mm-hmm. my life and yeah. um i've been very accurate with it um i think you watched me uh, kill that deer at 400 and something yards off my backpack yeah and but what you're saying is exactly correct as you are uh practicing you need to make a mental note on the position of your rifle on that backpack yeah what i do is i have a specific part of my backpack that i always use for my rest and that's my go-to if i can't use that particular part i don't use my backpack yeah um, now I am moving into the bipod world, mm-hmm. uh, coming soon because I've just, especially because of these Spartan, these lightweight yeah, right. style Those ones. Those Spartan bipods are, they're, they're quick release. They're they, too they light not to carry. They don't stay on the rifle full time. Right. They're not going to add right. a crazy amount of weight to the end of it. And the right. only time they are adding weight is when you're prone anyway. So you don't care. You can carry the thing around in your pocket if you and want to. There is a huge difference between loading a bipod and the stability you can achieve in that. And, yeah. and as a, a backpack shooter, I will, I will not deny this at all. There is a huge difference in the stability you can gain from yes. loading a bipod right. versus shooting off of, your, off of your backpack. When I'm on my backpack, I still notice the little movements, mm-hmm. the smaller right. thing. When you're loading a bipod and it, yeah. it has that kind of backwards tension, yeah. it, I mean, it's amazing how rock solid you can be. Yeah. And so it's fantastic. But the, the, the big takeaway is practice, yes. practice, practice, practice. All right, folks, I want to take a second to tell you about a product I found this last year and have absolutely fallen in love with. It's the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. 
I used one on a recent blacktail deer hunt in southeast Alaska, and it did a great job of keeping the salt water and debris out of the action and also protecting the scope on my rifle from getting knocked around and damaged. On top of all that, the carry handle made it easy to transport the rifle to and from the boat during the hunt. When it got wet from rain and ocean spray, I hung it up at camp to dry at night and it was always dry in 20 minutes or less. Stealthy Hunter also offers a wide variety of nutritional supplements for the outdoorsman such as CBD oils, essential vitamins, turmeric, and bone broth. In the gear shop, they also have a lightweight first aid kit, glassing pads, and stuff sacks to organize your gear and your pack. Go check out Stealthy Hunter's website and use the code THENORTHERNHUNTER at checkout to get a discount on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about bipods, um, I don't, I personally, I don't ever carry a bipod on even with me a lot of times when I'm bear baiting, but, um, right. <laughs> we've gotten, we've gotten <laughs> off into here. We've gone off into this. Uh, I haven't, I don't have a Spartan bipod yet. It's in mm-hmm. my, it's in my list of things to purchase, especially for the summer and, and fall season. Um, yeah. But I've run for several years. I've run, I think it's a Blackhawk. It's got adjustable, like from, you know, four, mm. six to nine inch or it might be a little shorter than that legs. I think it's a Harris. I think mine might be a Blackhawk. Mm. They they are very similar by. You bought the same one that I used to use. Did I? I yeah, did I, it's, yeah. it's, it's a Harris. Several. It might be a Harris. It's a Harris six to nine inch. And yeah. Anyhow, it it is a fairly quick yeah bipod to swap out. Did you get the and, QD model? Um, no, no, no. no okay. It just uh, it just has a little little screw on it that with the with the little little levers that grab your um the little caliper. Yeah, teeth. little caliper. Oh, gotcha. It, it, yeah, yeah. And it, it grabs your sling pin. And then you yep. can attach your sling to it if you want. Yep. But I would just keep that in my backpack because most of the time, it, it, it's much more economically priced. A Spartan bipod, but with a, once you get the little mountain stuff, you're probably 250 bucks. No. 145 Yeah. They're yeah. not actually that crazy. No. I, the original that I have that doesn't have the extendable legs okay. is 145 now, they do have some higher end models oh, that yeah, can yeah, get yeah. you up into yeah. that, okay. that price well, range. But I personally want the extendable you can legs. Stand, you, you can spend a lot more um, money on it. Yeah. But. Yeah. Anyhow, okay, still 150 bucks. Uh, I don't think that comes with the mount yet, though. You still yeah, need a does. mount. Does yeah. it really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, the ones I was looking at didn't. But yeah. um, anyhow, still 150 bucks. The the Harris is a little more economical, depending on how much you're going to be using it. And yeah. what, you know, I, I still run that one right now just at the range because when you're at the range, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. not a big deal. Yeah. And um, it's quick and easy. I keep it in my backpack. It doesn't take me but you know 30 seconds to throw on the rifle. Yeah. And most of the time when you're using a bipod, you have some time. You have right. the time. Right. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Now, one final thing, like you were saying with the backpack being changing your point of impact, that will happen with just about any change in style of correct, of, correct. Uh, support. Right. If you're not focusing on it, that's not specific to backpacks. Yeah. If you are used to shooting in a certain way and then you change that way, especially if you're you're resting at an angle for whatever reason mm-hmm. that will change. So make sure again with the practice, make sure you're mm-hmm. practicing with the support method you will be using yeah. in the field. Right. Um, if you're going to be shooting off, to, of, off of, off of shooting sticks, mm-hmm. shoot off shooting sticks of the range, right. make and, sure and, you can and, hit and something it falls with back it. to, uh, we won't go into crazy detail, but it falls back to the harmonics of the gun. Right. Yes. When you, when that, when right. you pull the trigger and that, that striker hits that primer and ignites the powder that creates essentially a microscopic ripple effect all the way down the gun. Right. And 
what you're trying to do when you're tuning your accuracy is you're trying to find the point at which you can replicate the same right. point on that ripple when that right. bullet comes out of the crown of the barrel. And so when you change your positioning, when you change whether you're on a backpack or a bipod or shooting sticks or freehand, or maybe you're leaning a little bit too far right or too far left, that'll change your harmonics a bit to where you can change your point of impact. It'll also, like you said, cause the gun to jump a certain direction or another. And I mean, it's literally microseconds that that bullet's Mm -hmm. in the barrel, but it can make a difference. So I agree. But a situation you will likely never need a bipod. Yep. Would be a bear bear bait. Yes. And so we are going to circle back to bear baiting now. And just a reminder, everybody, a lot of what we're going to talk about today are all Batum 907 products. Yes. If you would like to shop Batum 907 products and have the absolute highest chance of success this season, make sure you check out Batum907.com. You can go to their Instagram at Batum907. When you check out and buy the best products on the market for bear baiting, make sure you use code TNHP. Yes. And get a nice discount there at the checkout. Mm-hmm. So, yep. but I think last episode we left off with, what did we leave off with? Cameras. Cameras. And I think mostly cameras. Yeah. Mostly cameras. We mm-hmm. were getting into the setup portion. And, and I, insanely. <laughs> and part of that's my fault. But. No, that's, and it's great because like I said, so many people just buy the four pack of the stealthy cams for 80 bucks yep. and that's tw- it, 20 bucks a camera. It works, but it's not great. And it, may, you know? it, it may be all you need. <laughs> and if you're happy with blurry pictures of bears to know you have bears, yeah. then great. But. but I think we wrapped up with pretty much the physical setup. So let's dive in a little bit to what are the bears going to be eating? Honestly, I think we can all agree that the staple of any bear bait in Alaska is Old Roy's. <laughs> Old Roy. Old Roy's dog which, food. Yeah. Gotta love Old Roy. Which, or any other cheap brand. Whichever but, yeah. the cheapest is in the store. Whichever the cheapest <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. But dog food really is a staple. So, yeah. yeah. And I know I've been using it as long as I've been baiting. I think you guys have too. I yeah. think that's probably the most common use. You know, that yeah. there's other options. Some guys, some guys like to use popcorn. Some guys like mm-hmm. to use that oat feed. Like if you go to a um, feed store, yeah, mm-hmm. like a feed supply store. Oh, you know, last year, uh, Cold Spot here in town, mm-hmm. here in Fairbanks, they had a bear bait Don't mix. Don't give away that... too much. <laughs> yeah, I don't use it, so, so <laughs> go go after it. There was but... one year. And this was a long time ago. My dad and I were using a mix like that. Mm-hmm. And the bears didn't seem to like it. They did not well, eat it like they would chow down. And that's why I, I used it last year. And, and now the, the stuff that they sell is more of an additive. Um, okay. It's more, it's oats, it's grains. It's, right. it's got some molasses, molasses powder in there. And you add to what? Dog food. Oh, okay. So basically you would pour your dog food out, you pour this on top of it, you mix it all up and then it has the, mo- the molasses your- powder and stuff like that in it. That sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> um, it comes in like, uh, I think it's like 15 pound bags or 20 pound okay. bags. So it's not that bad. Like if you're throwing a bag mm. of dog food on your And what all did pack, it have in it again? Oh, all kinds of stuff. It was like grains and, and wheat and it's probably all the it, stuff it was kind of more carby. Sell, they you can't know. sell for their, you know. That's kind of what I was gathering from it. For animal um, feed. And- I, I used it last year to try it out and I, I didn't notice a huge difference, but it is an option, right? Yeah. So, okay. but there, I don't use it anymore because I like the Betum 907 additives, but we'll get into the, the yes. actual scents and lures yeah, and everything yeah. like that yeah. uh, here in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, a big thing with feeding bears is you need to make sure you're feeding them what they want to eat. Um, and yeah. not to say that they're picky eaters, but they are looking for a specific thing. Mm-hmm. They're looking for calories. They're looking for, they're coming out of their dens. They're hungry. They're, they're trying to gain weight. 
you need to make sure you're providing them right. what they need. So I know a lot of guys harp on the sweets and the, yeah. the, the donuts and the breads and the, mm-hmm. the carbs and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, that will work. But there is a concept called sweeting out a bear. Mm. And you can overly sweet up a bait to where the bears will come in, but they don't camp. They don't stay there and they're, they're more just stopping in mm. for a snack because it's good, it's tasty, they like it, but it's not providing them that calorie-dense food that they're really craving. So then they have to go somewhere else to find moose calves or whatever else they're looking for grazing around. Um, and that's a big reason I think dog food is so successful is because dog food, you can use these additives, you can use these things that, that, that sweetness that the right. bears are after as far as taste goes. Mm-hmm. But you really want to make sure you're giving them a full range of, of cal- caloric value, I guess is what you can say. That'll make them realize this is a valuable mm-hmm. food source. This is not just a... Think of any restaurant in town you've gone to where you know you're going to eat there and you're going to be hungry an hour later. Right. It's, it's that same concept, right? Any Chinese restaurant. But yeah, you know, and, and so you want to make sure you're providing them with a good variety of food that'll cover all of those bases. Uh, I was going to mention, well, on the bread thing, I've used bread in the past just because we, I think Dalton, we've oh, used bread. Oh man, mm-hmm. they love bread. And oh, bears yeah. love bread. Oh yeah. my. Now bread will mold quicker and yep. go go bad quicker than dog food <laughs> they eat it when it's green man <laughs> they don't seem to care but this is an issue i've had on multiple baits that i had bread okay moose multiple moose oh yeah oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy because and, and birds yes and more birds yeah yeah and it's crazy because i've i've had you, you'll have bear you'll have grizzly bears sows and cubs and big boars and everything on a bait with bread mm-hmm. and there's also moose there Eating yeah. the bread. Yeah. And you think, you would think that the smell of the bears would keep the, the moose away, but it does not yeah. necessarily seem to be the case. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So a few years ago, I ran a bait. This was a long time ago, actually. This was years ago. I ran a bear bait. It was a new spot, and I was trying out some grain feed mm-hmm. type of deal, okay? It was, it was bags of grain that had been... Um, I think they were, I think they were spoiled or whatever. Some of them had mold on them. They'd mm-hmm. been stored for a long time at the storage facility. A couple of the bags were ripped open. They'd got mice in them and all mm-hmm. this kind of garbage, you yeah. know, whatever. Bears don't care. Bears don't care. <laughs> and so I got a bunch of bags of this stuff. I set up this bear bait. I had a barrel and I probably had 150 pounds of this grain feed in there. And I dumped a whole five gallon jug of grease in the barrel after I filled it up with the grain and then I stirred it up. And mm-hmm. I mean, it was like greasy cereal. Mm-hmm. It was, or greasy mm-hmm. oatmeal. It mm-hmm. was pretty greasy. And I had bears hit it, but they didn't clean it out. Like mm-hmm. they ate probably half the barrel's worth of food. Mm-hmm. And I came back a week later to check on it. This was a brand new bait at the time. And They'd eaten half the barrel of, of, of feed, and they had come back every day mm. that week, but they only ate the grain for the first two days. Mm. Every day after that, the following five days up until I'd gotten there, they would come in, they would hang out, they would dig some of the dirt around the barrel where I dumped some grease, and they wouldn't even touch the barrel of feed. Yep. So I had a bag of dog food with me on that particular trip, 
I dumped 50 pounds of dog food in there, poured grease in there. Next week I came back. They'd eaten all the dog food and left the grain at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Yep. They did not like it. Yeah. Other bears I have seen that just do not care. Right. I don't know why. Now, these were, in particular, these were grizzly bears at this, at this bait that I'm talking about. At bears, at, at baits that I've had black bears at, if I put some grain in there mixed in with dog food, they don't seem to care. They, mm-hmm. they eat it all the exact right. same. But those grizzly bears really did not like that grain. That kind of makes sense. You know, I mean, grizzly bears are, they're still I, I, om- I don't, omnivorous, I don't, but they're I don't not know as omnivorous sense, as black though. bears, I guess. I, I, well, grain is, um, grain is. You, you ever seen a grizzly bear in the spring digging up pea vine? I mean, it, they yeah. they love eating yeah. roots and, yeah. and, you know, real fiber stuff. There, there just might be a difference, I guess, between grain I, I don't versus know. like yeah, roots. It, it and, was, cause, it, cause that's it what was I mean. interesting. They'll, they'll eat berries and roots and yeah. grasses and things like that. Right, but maybe right. there's just a different there and a, a concentrated grain. Yeah. And, and now the grain that I've used since then experimenting here and there, you know, mm-hmm. I, if I have an active bear bait that I know I'm not going to, you know, have a brand new spot at, if mm-hmm. I have an active bait and I come across a bunch of cheap bags of feed, I'll just throw it in there with some dog food and right. then grease it all up. They don't seem to care at all. Yep. Now, and, and, and that's kind of the thing with, with dog food is, and I think that's what makes it so popular is it's just universal. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, you look at it, it's a food that you feed a I've, similar animal, I've right? Never, uh, uh, yeah. A very, yeah. you know, dogs are also somewhat omnivorous. So they, <laughs> uh, you know, you have in the dog food, all of these different calorie sources from yeah. all, all across the spectrum. Right. And so it's not, um, it's not as singular focused i guess you could say mm-hmm. it, it's a very they can chow down on it they're full they're they're gaining weight and i think adding adding carbs or grains like you had talked about with bread or or anything any kind of a grain mixture whether it be corn or wheat or or some kind of a grain there yeah does boost that caloric value um but using that only as your main source of food i think is a mistake I think if you're rolling out in the woods and you're focusing solely on corn or or wheat of some kind, I don't think you're going to get the the density of bears hanging around long term. There there are a lot of guys in it. the lower 48, like in the farm country states, mm-hmm. that can bear bait, and they run grain and corn and just grease it up, and it mm-hmm. works great for them. Yeah, yeah. But those bears, they're accustomed to eating that. I was going to say, usually in that's, the farm country, that's their diet, right? You know? Yeah. And there's guys that'll run, uh, you know, there are guys in the States where they can get, you know, candy factories and stuff oh, like that. Oh, yeah. From they the get hostess the, factories. They get the oh, barrels man. of sweets. Yeah. And that's all they run. I'm so jealous. And Donuts the bears love them. And, yeah. And yeah. we don't really have that option up here very no. much. Well, and I think a big difference, too, is when you're, and I may be totally wrong on this, but you're, in the lower 48, they don't have the daylight, the daylight that we do up here, right? And so I think getting a bear to camp where it's staying all night and coming in throughout the night to get, you know, we see a lot of times bears coming in at 12, one in the morning, two in the morning, things like that. Right. You can't shoot them down there in those lights because you have legal shooting, legal shooting light hours. And so maybe getting them to show up for those shorter spurts works because they're more likely to come back more often. I don't, Whereas we have yeah, the ability to sit never, all night long and still have legal shooting so light. I, I'm going to say something, I, I James. Don't, I don't know about that. I've never heard, of the sweeting out thing. 
Yeah. Oh, well, I've known guys that have. I don't know who you're not talking they, to, but I've heard a lot. <laughs> when they've run lots of donuts and stuff, mm. bears love it. They yeah, chow down I've, on it. Just I've like never, dog I've food. never had that happen here. Well, I've heard it a ton, so yeah. that's cool. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, just, I don't know. But I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's interesting. Now, I, I as far as sweeting out goes, I've I've had bear baits where I've had predominantly sweet scents there. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't seem to have as good of an effect as adding some of the rancid scents like Nasty yeah. Boar does. Okay. Yeah. But as far as food source goes, I've never had them like not keep coming to a bait because of a sweeter food source. So it's not that they don't come to the food source. It's that they don't camp there is my understanding. Yeah, I haven't um, had that happen personally. But okay. I, and it, it's, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that it couldn't happen. I'm just, I, it's, right. it's interesting. Now, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about. But um, now yeah, I, I haven't personally had that happen. Yeah. And I've also had it to where they will dig. And this one surprised me is that I had a bait last year where I did a good mixture of bread in with the dog food. Mm-hmm. And if it was like in the barrel, in the barrel with the dog food. And, okay. and my thought process there was that they would dig through the dog food because I had, I had it all greased up and everything. Right. right? So then they're getting grease all over their paws. Mm-hmm. But they would dig through the dog food to get to the bread. Once the bread was gone, the dog food's nice and mixed up and they're. Yeah, they're going to eat the dog food. Right. It almost turned out to be the opposite, and I don't know what the reason was in that in were that they, instance. Were they targeting the? They bread? were targeting the dog food. Oh, really? Yeah. And I came back, and there was still there was less dog food than there was bread. Hmm. And and I don't know what the reason for that was because Any, typically speaking, the bread's the first thing they. Yeah, go I was after. just going to say the exact same thing. Yeah. Anytime I've ever put bread out at a bait site. So, the bread's the first thing to right. go. And, and I've had it to where I just go in to freshen up and I'll bring in just a, a burlap sack full of bre- yeah. bread yeah. and just to dump it on top just to get them more interested, right? Because right. there's maybe right. still a little bit of dog right. food there. And so you throw mm. maybe another 50 pounds of bread on top mm-hmm. of that. The bread is always gone in like 24 hours. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But in this instance, it was a little bit different. And I, I bring that up because m- there may be cases where maybe the bears in that region just are more, more apt to, yeah. to sweets. And I wasn't saying don't use sweets. Don't take anything no, no, I no, said yeah, that way. Yeah, yeah. What I said is don't use only sweets. Right. Um, and so that's where I think the dog food, mixing it up with things like that yeah. um, comes into play. It, it, you just want to tailor the food to what the bears seem to like. Yeah. And a lot of that comes down to research. Right. You know, you want right. to, you might not get it right your first year. You might have to sit there a couple of years and see what they go after. Maybe yeah. they are more, more sweet focused bears. Right. Th- there's another theory about food sources. And I, this is next on our list, but popcorn. Some guys really like mm-hmm. using popcorn at bear baits. And the theory that I've heard, and I've I've never experimented with this, uh, you know, nearly to the extent that I have with breads and dog food and, and grains and things like that. Um, but some guys swear by popcorn, even up here. Mm-hmm. And the theory behind it is it's not as filling mm-hmm. as dog food and right. bread and oats is or are. and they have to come back more often mm. to keep eating to get filled up with popcorn. Now, okay. the hard part is packing in enough popcorn <laughs> every so, time. I was going to say, is there packing a in good 50, way to pop the popcorn at the bait? Like, I saw well, somebody so, on the Baiting Alaska bear baiting yeah. forum a couple of days ago, and they were asking, how do you guys pop your popcorn? And everybody was responding with sarcastic comments, like, in mm-hmm. a pot or, <laughs> you know. Just, yeah. But he, he was... Yeah, I think he was asking, like, how do you pop it in the field? And mm-hmm. I, I heard a story, and this is 
Yeah, this was from years and years and years ago. I heard a story of an old-time bear baiter who had a barrel at a site, and he had a big single-burner Coleman propane stove. Mm -hmm. And um, he, he would stash that stove up in his stand at his bear bait, and he had his barrel, and he would fill it up with popcorn kernels and then use that stove to pop his kernels in his barrel. He just stuck the stove under the barrel? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Did he put oil in it? I mean, I, I, I mean, uh, this just... was a long time ago. I, I don't huh. I don't know exactly what he was doing, and he doesn't bear bait anymore, but that's how he just used to do it. Yeah, I was going to say. I almost, I almost responded with that on that guy's comment on the forum. Vietnam when that starts stuff's going on. <laughs> I mean, hey. But he he said it worked. You, you know, talk I, about I, an easy pack-in. Right. Dude, you just pack well, in and, one and cheaper? big bag of seeds. And so I have yeah. not heard of anybody that uses popcorn as their primary source of bait. Um, I don't think that would work very well. I think you'd get eaten out way too quick. I think you would be walking in every two days. I think so too. Um, yeah. With the way I've used popcorn in the past and the way I've heard most people using popcorn is as a, uh, basically just a filler. It's an additive. It's, you already have your dog food there and you're going in to freshen up or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's just lighter to carry a, a huge bag of dog food than it is, a, or a huge bag of popcorn than it is a huge bag of dog food. Um, or it just adds a slightly different flavor, adds a little bit of variety to it. Um, that's really when I've heard people using popcorn. I haven't really heard of anybody that uses popcorn as a, a as their base source. And, and I, I can't mean, say I'd recommend guys, that. I've heard of guys using it as their base source and like mixing it with molasses before they go in. Yeah, and, and like yeah. bringing them as like this. And you see some soggy. You see pictures of guys with a pack frame, and they've got this. Gigantic bag oh, strapped to their pack. I've frame. done that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you catch one spruce twig on that yeah. bag, and you just oh. go. Well, there's where your bait pile is. L yeah, let me just say really quick: don't use even contractor bags to bring bait into the er, so, into the bear bait because I, it will get punctured, and you tip. will end up using both arms to hold those holes together to keep your keep your bait a, from falling I have a everywhere. Tip on this, okay? Yeah. Because now, depending on the bags of dog food you buy, some of them are real tough material. Some mm -hmm. of them are, some of them, a lot of times, if, if you don't cut it open or anything before you go in, you're fine. They're like a nice your plastic. Mm -hmm. or, you know. Yeah, even the paper ones, if they don't get wet, you're all right. But what I like to do. I hate the paper bags. Yeah, me too. But, Kiss you know, if it's all you can get, you know, and when it's $11 <laughs> instead of $20 a piece, what are you can do? I'll spend yeah. 20 for a better bag, man. <laughs> um, I go to Lowe's mm -hmm. and I buy contractor bags. But. They're not black plastic bags. Yes. They're white, reusable, heavy duty. They're like heavier than heavier. Oh, duty you're than, talking about the, the mesh one. They're, they're like not, a mesh. Yeah. And it's like they're like five. It's like I don't know. There's 25 bags for 50 bucks. Yep. And yep. And they're awesome. I I mean I have used them and reused them at job yeah. sites. Yeah. And so you just put your bag of dog food in Inside that bag. That. It's mm -hmm. waterproof. Right. Yeah. It's tough as all get out. Yep. And. If, and, and when you're done, you can just stuff all your garbage in there and you can throw it away or you can reuse it if you really want to. But Yeah. Anyway. I was referencing more of the black plastic ones right. because yeah. <laughs> that you would normally yeah. put like leaves in and things for that nature. Like. Uh, correct. Correct. But that's just... <laughs> but yeah, no, those those ones are tough. Even, tough even as on all a get job out. site, yeah. I always hated the black contractor bags because you throw a two by four with the nail sticking out of in there, even mm -hmm. if it's just a chunks and, and yeah. they start to tear open and yeah. Yeah. you always end up with a mess in the bed of your yeah. truck because you can't contain it and i started right. buying those when i was contracting and they're phenomenal yep yeah 
Yeah, no, that's that's a great way to do that. I do, I do the exact same thing. If I'm riding into a bait site, um, that's you know the the back and forth motion on the four wheeler rack mm-hmm. will wear a hole in your bag of dog food, even if it is a good bag. Mm-hmm. So putting one of those sleeve bags over it, that's a lot tougher. That'll save you a lot of headache and mm-hmm. a lot of lost bait. Yeah. That's also a pro tip for when you're coming out of a campsite. You know, mm-hmm. when, when you go, when you ride in somewhere in a wheeler and you're camping, yes. you know, whether it's a moose hunt or whatever, I, I, the black contractor bags work. And if you're in an Argo or something, it's not as big of a deal. You've got a place to put everything. Right. But I love those. I think the brand is Halltail. I love those bags for garbage out there because yeah. you can fill it up, tie it up, and strap it down as tight as you need to, and you don't have to worry about it breaking open right. or falling apart. Right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, don't, throw a, you don't want to leave a mess anywhere. I, I mm. used to throw uh, uh, things of um, like water bottles in in a black contractor bag for writing in, just because I know the case of water is going to fall apart. Right. Oh, in. Mm. yeah. And, and if right. you throw it in one of those hall tail bags, yeah, no issues. It, it, I you know. it, just a quick side tangent here. Yeah. I went on a hunt a few years ago. James was with me. We were four-wheeling way out in the middle of no man's land for a caribou <laughs> hunt. And uh, I had, it was a hot, hot August trip. Mm. And I had a bunch of water bottles. And in the back of my Yamaha Grizzly 700 four-wheeler, there's a little storage compartment underneath the rear taillight. Yep. I guess rear taillight is a little bit redundant, but underneath the taillight, there's a little plastic storage compartment. So I opened that bad boy up and stuffed about eight or nine water bottles in there and mm-hmm. thought, nice. Well, it gets really hot in there from the exhaust. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> yeah. And the water bottles rubbing up against one another. I would open a water bottle and it just tasted like straight plastic. <laughs> oh, it was so oh, nasty. Man. I ended up throwing all of them away as soon yeah. as I got no, I've started buying, and I don't know if I'm going to do this when I go hunting or not, but I might. But there's several po- yeah. uh, w- uh, water brands now that are coming in aluminum bottles yeah mm-hmm. proud and, source yeah and you know yeah. it's all the all the stuff it's got electrolytes whatever, and, but yeah, yeah no well yeah it come they put electrolytes back in it you know after they take them out and, yeah. <laughs> but 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 it doesn't taste like plastic and you don't have right, to worry about the right, right, and all that exactly so i really like it for that yeah yeah no they're, they're pretty nice it seems to taste a little better too yeah i really like the path cool. is kind of my favorite but like the proud yeah. source is good too yeah the mm-hmm. proud source spring water that, that's yeah. that's what i've been drinking here but anyway Hey guys, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you've likely heard Dalton and I go back and forth about bullet construction. Now I like rapid expanding bonded core bullets that leave massive wound channels. I've also stated I would never use a monolithic bullet. Well, I'm here to tell you about the company that finally changed my mind. Hammer Bullets produces what I would consider the most premium and best working monolithic bullets on the market today. These bullets are designed so that after penetrating the hide of an animal, the front half of the bullet explodes, shedding its petals and imparting massive damage to the vital areas while retaining the rear shank for maximum penetration, effectively closing the gap between lead core and monolithic construction. The guys at Hammer designed these bullets with 100% focus on how they perform once they reach their destination. But don't let that fool you. These bullets have amazing VCs and have specialized pressure groups built in for amazing inherent accuracy. They have a minimum velocity rating of 1800 feet per second, which allows for long range shots, but have no maximum velocity, making them perfect for every cartridge from your granddaddy's old 3030 to the high velocity rounds like the Weatherby 3378 without having to worry about your bullet failing. They've also recently partnered with Weatherby to provide factory ammunition for a multitude of cartridges. To view their expansive selection and find the perfect match for your hunting needs, go to hammerbullets.com to buy yours today and drop the hammer on your next adventure. 
And so having a variety of foods there. Um, yeah. One thing that I think we've touched on in, in one of the previous episodes is using grease mm-hmm. mixed oh, in yeah. with your food. Um, fryer's grease, any kind of grease. Peanut oil. Peanut oil. Um, if you... If you're really rich and you just want to go buy canola oil, you can do that. It'll work, but mm. I don't recommend it because that stuff it is smell. like. It, so the advantage well, to. It, I was going somewhere else. Yeah. But, I say the advantage oh, to peanut oil okay. and fryer grease is it smells like what it was cooked in, or peanut oil smells like peanuts. No. He, he's talking about getting new oil. Right. Yeah. I was going to say you can get new oil and then put additives into it. Right. But again, that's a lot of work. <laughs> right. So, right. um, but no, so beta 907 sells grease additives that you can get. Mm-hmm. No, sorry. You, you're just stretching your cord out right underneath your foot. There. Oh, <laughs> you're going to tear something out. <laughs> Unplug it. Now um, everything's going to go dead. And oh, but, yeah. w- but one of the things you can get is you can get these grease additives and yeah. th- they're really, really great stuff actually. So if you, if you are only able to get the newer oil, you can't right. find any used right. fry grease. Is that called the death moan additive? I want to say it is, yeah. yeah it I, comes I in like a little aluminum tube that it, looks it, like radioactive <laughs> something or other. You know what it reminds me of is those, uh, or what's the the gas cartridges for like airsoft? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. like, it, yeah. Lo- it looks just little like that. CO2 canisters. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, you get that stuff, and I think uh, one is good for... I almost want to say one is good for 10 gallons. I think yeah. you can do two five-gallon buckets. It's strong. Yeah. It's very, very but strong. You can take that in there and mix it up. She has a ton of different scents in that yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. And adding that to your food, um, I think if you want to go kind of over that again, once once again, Mo, it kind of adds the uh, preservation level to it, right. it as well as flavor and scent and everything yeah. like that. So, yeah. And so, you know, just if, if you're not using the additive real quick, mm-hmm. um, Around Fairbanks. Yeah. And you know what? I tell people this because there's always plenty available and I've always got a stock. You know, uh, some somebody's not going to like that I say this, but oh well. Uh, if you drive around Fairbanks and you look behind restaurants, you will see jugs of grease. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Old fryer grease. And it's like in an orange and white box. And that is for your for the taking for bear baiters. They stick it out back. Make sure, yeah. yeah. Some places will let you take it. Some folks won't. But ask ask me how I know. If, yeah. Really? <laughs> I have never had anybody tell me no. I've had a few places that. Really? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I went to one spot for almost an entire season, and I needed one more jug to finish out the year. I ran one jug short, and I went back to grab one more jug, and they had like a dozen jugs of grease sitting out back. And, mm-hmm. and again. Just to clarify, this is used fryer's grease from a restaurant that yes. they've already right. cooked stuff in, so it smells like whatever it was cooked in. Right. Yep. The bears love that it when you dump like it on dog fish. food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I went back in there, and someone was out back of the restaurant on their smoke break, and I got out of my pickup, walked over, put my glove on to go over and grab this jug of grease that's all nasty. Yeah. And, and quick tip, make sure that you grab a grease jug that has a lid that actually screws on. <laughs> sometimes on the bottom sometimes or, yeah. you'll grab one that's got, a, that's got a hole in the jug mm-hmm. or the lid doesn't screw on all the way and then it's going to leak all over the place. That's just a mess. Or yeah. forever so, you'll have grease in your truck. So I, I reached up to grab a can of grease and this, this new person I didn't recognize said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just grabbing a jug of grease for bear baiting. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, that, an employee told me I could take it. And uh, the lady said, well, I'm the manager and we don't do that here. Oh, said, she's probably anti-bear baiting. I said, um, or she's into okay. bear baiting and that's her grease. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and no, I guarantee it wasn't. I'm not going to go into the description of this person, but I guarantee they weren't a hunter. So I said, well, how about if I told you it wasn't for a bear bait? She said, well, might be different then. 
I said, all right, I'm going somewhere else. Have a nice day. And I drove across the street and grabbed somebody else's grease. (laughs) But, you know, I pulled up to KFC one time and I saw like 30 jugs and I filled up the back of my truck. (laughs) But yeah, no, it's most of the time the places. The best time to get it's in the middle of winter. Right. Because nobody Mm -hmm. else is collecting it. Right. But they stick it out in the back. And even during bait season, you'll find it. Mm -hmm. And I'll even find it at the dump. Because what's what will happen? They stick it out back. Yeah. And then they'll haul it off. But most of the time, they don't have to haul it off because it just disappears. Yeah. And, and a lot of times, you can go talk to these restaurants, too. If, right. if there's somewhere yeah. that you know, yeah. maybe, maybe you frequent quite often, you walk in, Correct. they say, oh, you're usual. You know, like, I mean, right. those kind of places. Or right. even if you don't have that kind of connection. Right. A lot of times, if you talk to these people and let them know what you're doing and right. what you're looking for, yeah. they're more than happy to give it to you. Because, oh, yeah. again, they just ship it off to well, get because it thrown the, away. The, then they don't have to pay to have it taken away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so... The, you're doing them a favor. Yeah. Right. And like I said, if you run by the transfer site any of the transfer sites they've always got the oil disposal and i mean 50 percent of the time there'll be a jug of fire grease in there really yeah, yeah. oh yeah i thought you were Not going for motor oil <laughs> <laughs> more <laughs> power baby <laughs> yeah the additives on that and so yeah let's let me get back into the preservation thing for a minute we yeah. talked about this in the last episode a little bit but uh yeah it, i found that bread and dog food or grain or whatever you're using it, if you just put it out there dry and mm-hmm. then it gets wet, yeah. very quickly it will start to mold. And the bears, for the most part, they they just they don't eat it yeah. after that. Yeah. Um. They'll eat the dirt that has grease in it, but they won't mm-hmm. eat yep. the moldy dog food even yep. after yep. you put grease on it. Even animals understand when it's edible <laughs> and when it's <laughs> right. <not. laughs> yeah. But what um what I've discovered is if even if I've got a spot where my grease is not under cover, if I don't have a good spot, I don't have branch coverage over top or whatever. Mm-hmm. If I cover that dog food and I just saturate it with grease, mm-hmm. got to carry more in to do that. And sometimes if I'm limited supply at the end of the year, I'm not able to do that as much. But hopefully at that time, I've got bears eating the bait and I'm not worried about it. Yeah. If I cover the dog food or the, or the bread or whatever it is with grease, it will hold that grease for a long time, yeah. which the water just runs off of. Right. And it doesn't mold and the bears will eat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've I've found that to be the case now just most real, of the time. Just real quick, while we're on this subject, we should hit on how much bait to put out at a site. Mm. Because yeah. a lot of people five hundred pounds. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> at least a thousand, bro. Yeah. False. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, the situation that you were talking about there about putting out bear bait that then they avoid right over time and like mm-hmm. that particular time that i had those grizzly bears come in now this that situation they didn't like what i had there for right, right? Yeah. they didn't like that oats and grain mixture but what did you have to do with that stuff carry it all out yeah. mm-hmm. so when bear baiting season is up on june the 31st every single year oh 30th i'm sorry <laughs> yeah another uh, housekeeping correction anyway um maybe it'll cut out like the other when one. uh when bear baiting ends up here at the end of June, mm. you got to have your bait out of the woods. Yep. Okay. That's everything. Right. Now, when it comes to baiting and you have bears and you're trying to keep them fed because you want to keep them coming back, mm-hmm. you end up getting a little overzealous with how much food you put in there. <laughs> right. Ask me how I know. Yeah. I think we've all been there. Yeah. And we're like, all right, well, you know, there's, there's a week left of season. 100 pounds ought to do it. Mm-hmm. That should be about right. And then the bears get anemic for some reason. or I, Yeah. And they just they just quit coming in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they, you know, they, they'll come in and they'll hang out for hours and hours and hours and they'll eat 10 pounds. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, for some reason, they just lose their appetite a little bit sometimes. 
And I have found that if you're going to be at a bait site at least twice a week Mm -hmm. to check on it, which I recommend as a minimum, that's a great way to keep a track on everything. And we can talk about that more a little bit later about how to hunt a bait. But as far as how much bait you put out there, Mm -hmm. um, I don't like to put out any more than 100 pounds at a time. Mm. (coughs) If it's in the middle of May and you've got bears and you're trying to keep them there, it ain't no big deal to put out 100 pounds. Once you approach that June time frame, if they're going through all of the bait, if you come come in Mm -hmm. in the beginning of June in the second week of June, third week of June, and every time you come in, you're coming back to an empty bait pile. Right, right. Keep on doing exactly what you're doing and time it in an ideal world so that the bears do the cleanup for you. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to go in there with a shovel and a bucket. Agreed. And pack all that junk out. It sucks. That yep. is a nightmare. So if you can time it. Now, some guys in very remote bait locations that they don't want to set up a huge bear bait, where they've got to put out a bunch of food and the bears aren't being pressured by Mm -hmm. other baiters in the area. Um, What they'll do is they'll just throw out like a 20 pound bag. Yeah. And they'll spread it out like a, Mm -hmm. you know, just salt and pepper it all over the forest floor, Mm -hmm. right? Where they want their bait to be. And then they'll dump grease all over it. That way the bears have to just like vacuum up piece by piece by piece. And yeah. They will do that. Yes, they will. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's a great way to do a test bait. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit of bait. And it's not that much to clean up if you have to. If nothing hits it, you can just clean it all out of there. It's 20 pounds of food, man. Right. Um, and the likelihood by that point, by the end of the season, the, squ- <coughs> the squirrels will have most of it eaten anyway mm-hmm. by that point. Yeah. But. Um, if you're getting into that last couple of weeks of season and you don't want to pack out a bunch of bait and the bears are routinely eating out the bait site, mm-hmm. just bring in 50 pounds right. or, or even like a 30 pound bag. That's what right. I'll do towards the end of the season. I'll switch from 50 pound bags of dog food to 30 pounds. Or take that mm-hmm. whole tail bag and just dump half of it and right. have your 50 pound bag into there. Because yeah. you can spend, because a 30 pound bag of dog food typically costs just as much as the cheap 50 pound bag of dog food. Right. It feels, right. I feel like I'm getting ripped off. Yeah. So usually <laughs> in May and even the first week of June, I'm packing in 100 pounds of bait at a time. Right. Packing in two 50 pound bags on the pack frame, um, mostly full jug of grease in one hand and a gun in the other or mm-hmm. bow, whatever I'm hunting with, right? By the time the second, third week of June comes around right in that time frame, when I know I'm approaching the final stretch, Mm -hmm. I'll switch to bringing in either 50 pounds or even 30 pounds at a time. Yeah, Mm -hmm. That way, it's enough to keep them coming back, but I don't want to end up at the end of June with a mountain of bear bait sitting there that I've got to then clean up. Yep. So just a little tip about don't put out too much bait. And it kind of depends on your personal situation too. Like if if you know for a fact that you've run a bear bait in this one area for 10 years and you, mm-hmm. you're always covered up with eight plus bears at a time coming in at different periods throughout the day, eating you out. I've seen, I mean, heck, I've seen hundreds of pounds of dog food disappear in a week. Yeah. Oh, you know? I, absolutely. And, 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 I mean, to, down to the last kernel. And a lot of it's just, know how many bears you have left on the bait how many yeah. have you killed off and, and just yeah gauge i mean you've got cameras you can know how many bears are still there mm-hmm. keep an eye on how much bait they're eating yeah and just keep a minimum there because the bait getting eaten out for a day mm-hmm. you don't lose bears that way no 
especially if there's not, especially if you're doing a good job of being out there by yourself, mm-hmm. you lose bears when the bait's gone for a week. A week, yeah. And I've chased bears off of baits a month after the bait was gone. Mm-hmm. They just like hang out there, you know, right? right? Yeah. So, and, and they like the smells and, and it, it, mm-hmm. it, it blows my mind sometimes when that happens, but. <laughs> right. It, yeah. I mean, and a lot of times they, the bait might be eaten out and you've got three more days to hunt it. Mm. Yeah. Carry in 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. Or carry in 50 pounds, dump well, out 20, and that's, right? And that's kind of the thing is it, it doesn't take a ton of food to get them to keep coming back. Right. You know, and they just have to know that there's always food there. And we talked about this uh, a couple episodes ago, but, or more than that probably, but so a lot of times the noise of the bait getting dumped out, mm-hmm. smacking a bucket against a tree when Absolutely. you're it up and climb Yo, into the absolutely. stand. It's like, it's like a dinner bell. Yeah. yeah. It, the bait's been baited back up. And it's funny because you would think that they know that's all completely unnatural, but mm-hmm. they don't seem to mind. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to, a, to a, a gentleman here in town and he said he does that every single time. He'll walk into the bait and he kind of does, I try to avoid walking up to my barrel if I'm going to be hunting that night, but he does the exact opposite. He'll walk up there and he's got chains and everything on it and he will just rattle yeah, that thing. I mean, just back and forth. And he's like, he's been doing it for, I mean, heck, well over a decade now. And it's almost like he's trained those bears. That, that means they're coming in. Yeah. I mean, if, so, I'm, if I'm walking in to hunt, typically I got 50 pounds on my back. I go dump it. Um, and, you know, I, I grab cards. I dump my bait, mm-hmm. you know, dump grease or whatever I've got to put on the grease. Sometimes I just use, use an additive or a syrup or something. And then I climb into the stand and I, I have no issue with that. You know, and kind of along those lines, though, something, other things that you can add while you're either freshening up or even when you're really setting up, um, there's a lot of other uh, attractant kind of foods that you can add into the, the bait. A lot of guys will use uh, fruits. Like you can go to the, the grocery stores and you'll get uh, some discount fruits that's maybe old, might have some, some spots on it. Maybe it doesn't look as good as they want to put on the shelf, right? So they put it in this little discount side. What off kind the side. of fruit? Um, I've heard of guys using apples um, personally. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Personally, I haven't used fruit, but I know that that they do. Yeah, that I've, they do I've like. never used fruit either. It's not a bad idea. It's not a bad I mean, idea. Yeah, T- I typically, um, typically, I'll lean more towards the meat side of things, yeah. um, bringing meat out to the bait. Right. Um, but I have heard of guys having really great success with either bananas or apples. Um, bananas. Yeah. Believe hmm. it or not, bananas are a really? huge one. Yeah. And they eat them up. And they eat them up like crazy. Wow. Yeah. You, you got to peel them for them? <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I mean, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Do they peel them themselves? Ooh, that would be an interesting. I, I, you know, I think I watched a video of a, oh, uh, maybe that wasn't, maybe that might've been a bear. I don't know. That was eating it and it somehow actually got or just the a real bear like monkey. Yeah, <laughs> right. It might've been, a, I don't know. Just a big but, chimp with nasty looking teeth. But there, there are food additives that you can put on top, like actual food that you can put on top of your dog food and your grease mm-hmm. and your, your other things like that. Um, and like I said, I've always leaned more towards the meat side of things. Like it's always just kind of seen, it seemed to me that it would have a better response from something like a bear, right? I mean, you get, you can use, uh, I mean, I've heard of people throwing bacon out there. I've heard of people throwing all yeah. kinds of stuff, uh, any kind of old freezer burnt meat you might have in your freezer from, mm. from years prior. Um, we're talking like non palatable non-edible yeah, yeah not um, for human consumption yeah don't don't be out there wasting food but no <laughs> so. so this is what um my dad used to do and i did this last year mm-hmm. totally spaced it this past winter which is just very irresponsible of me but he'd find a he'd just take a five gallon bucket stick it out the back door in the winter time mm-hmm. and then all the food scraps all the stuff that goes bad in the fridge 
and all the food scraps, you know, after dinner, the Steak bones, bones and, yeah. mm-hmm. bones and, and, and skin and whatever you don't eat, you throw in that bucket. It oh, freezes. Like pig slop. Yeah. 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 I mean, bears are just another pig. Basically. Yeah. With claws and hair. Um, <laughs> and it tastes better. In a lot. <laughs> in an attitude. <laughs> but um, yeah. I'm a pig. can have an attitude. But, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you just throw it in the bucket. And, and that's, I mean, that's how I've always made my stink buckets. You just take that bucket. And mm. uh, you throw a lid on it when it's full, and you stick oh, it out back. Oh, you're talking about, okay, yeah. And uh, and you throw another bucket there, and, and you fill up two or three of those. You only really need one per bait. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, so so I was talking more about like on the barrel. Okay. Um, yeah. Like like adding into the barrel. Like into the bait pile. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've done that too and added some, some rotten meats and things. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've, one time I went to the dump and there was um, a whole cardboard box, like an old freezer box mm-hmm. full of steaks that mm. were just rotten. I mean, they were green around the edges and yeah. just bad. Nice and, and tender. I, I, I threw that. Oh, dude, they were, yeah. Come on, Park. They were dissolving your mouth, that's for sure. <laughs> um, more probiotics in there than in a whole food, than, than in a whole health food aisle at the store. Right. Um, but anyway, I, I took that in there and just threw that it mixed mm-hmm. in with the dog food. And yeah. of course, the bears will come in and sift through and grab all the meat first. And yeah. they, they really do like that. Um, well, and, and that was what led me to it, is, is it seems like they always go after that first. Yeah. And it just makes sense that, yeah, maybe fruit will will put off some kind of a scent when it starts to ferment a little bit and it's been sitting out there. Yeah. But it's nothing like meat. Right. And, and they're used to looking for the smell of meat. Right. You know, oh, yeah. that's what they're that after. Most rancid of the time. stink. Yeah. yeah. So it just, just adds that, that feature to it. Every time I put it out there, I mean, I'll, I'll mix it in with the dog food, like you say, or sometimes just set it on mm-hmm. top of the barrel just to get a nice mm-hmm. view of them putting their head up there. Yeah. But every single time it's the very first thing they go yeah. in for. So, so one more thing that people, I, I'm, I know that folks know that bears like fish. Mm-hmm. But there are some legalities around yes. using fish at bear baits. Yeah. Now we talk about stink buckets. Now you use mm-hmm. stink buckets when you go in, and this is kind of a scent lure thing. But when you when you first set your bait out, a lot of guys, myself included, and I think all of us here do it, mm-hmm. take a five gallon bucket, like Mo was saying, of just scraps or you know. You can go to the store, at, like your sportsman's warehouse, back in the fishing section, they'll have their their fishing lure um, uh, bait section mm-hmm. in the freezer. And you can get a little packet of lamprey eel, and those things stink so bad, it's awesome. Bears love the smell of rotten fish, like that herring, herring oil that you can use on mm-hmm. fishing lures as well, like bait lures. Um, they, they used to sell a little bottle, uh, just a little squeeze bottle with a, with a little squeeze top on it. And it was called butt juice <laughs> and it's, it's herring oil. Yeah. I that, stuff that stuff stinks so <laughs> bad, but I'll buy, um, uh, just a packet of lampreys, put a few in each bucket, um, a packet of herring, just, you know, little herring, mm-hmm. throw a few in each bucket. And then whatever else, scraps or, you know, rotten meats and stuff that, that I get from wherever. Yep. And uh, use that for a stink bucket. And then also you can use fish carcasses, yeah. but not fish meat. So, yeah. So I've got the regs pulled up here. So yep. um, under the, on, if you go to the Alaska State regs and you go to page 26, 
it has a, a section of may, you may or you may not, um, basically about specifically for bear baiting. And after the very first bullet point under you may, where it says you may place two bait stations at the same time, that's two per person per yep. registered baiter. Right. Yeah. Um, it goes into what you can use. So only biodegradable materials may be used for a bait. Scent lures may also be used. Um, you're allowed to use the skinned carcasses of fur bears for animals, unclassified game and small game other than birds. Um, and then under the, for the fish, like you're talking about, it says if fish or big game is used, only the head, bones, guts, and skin may be used. However, in units 7 and 15, fish or fish parts may not be used for bait. Yeah. So what I've done in the past with fish then, abiding by the law, is I have a few friends that go out ice fishing every spring, mm-hmm. and they catch either some big pike or some real big lake trout. And, of course, they'll fillet them. And that leaves the bone, you know, the, 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 the spine column and all, all the bones attached there and the tail mm-hmm. and the guts and the head. And they'll give me those carcasses and I'll throw those in stink buckets. And that, that fish smell mm-hmm. brings bears in from miles around. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm not, not using other scent lures like Nasty Boar and Cupcake Addiction and all that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. the beaver caster scents and all that. I'm not not using that. But that stink bucket just hangs up in a tree on a little step. That if if I'm if I'm wheelering into a bait to set it up, mm-hmm. it, I, I will usually stand on top of my four wheeler and then go as high as I can and screw a step into the tree, just a just a climber mm-hmm. step, and then hang that bucket way up high. Mm. And if I'm walking in, then I'll you know try to find a stump that I can stand on next to a tree near yeah. the bait site and hang that bucket up as high as I can get it. Because if it's within standing distance of a bear, they'll just reach up and swat it right down, and it's gonna right. just, then they're just going to eat it, and they'll probably trash your bucket too. Mm-hmm. Now, th- they still probably will get to the bucket eventually, especially if mm-hmm. it's black bears. But um, w- when it comes to stink buckets, th- the, the thing that I like about it is it keeps an aroma of stench mm-hmm. right there at the bait. And it does you know, waft around the valley and all that. That's a really great way to just keep that bait stinking up real bad, mm-hmm. and that keeps those bears coming back. Yeah, they like that smell. Yep. I was just going to say, speaking of taking a uh, putting a spike in the tree up high, yeah, w- off of the back of a wheeler rack, as high as you can. So, <clears throat> imagine a six foot guy. You know, you stick your arms up in the air, you get another foot or so. Yeah, and uh, so the bottom of your bucket can easily be what eight feet off the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I got a picture of a bear on one of my baits standing up next to a stink, mm-hmm. five-gallon stink bucket, and his head <clears throat> was right. He could touch the bottom of that stink bucket. No, his head was right next to the stink bucket. Yeah, and like his hands were up around it. He eventually knocked it down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a big bear. Anyway, I just <laughs> yeah. thought it'd be a good time. To, yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and one thing I've kind of resorted to doing at my baits is for my stink buckets, I'll actually use the. Uh, the hanging between two trees method. Mm, yeah. Um, so what I've started to do, because I, I, I was doing the, the whole hang them off a step thing. And what I found was, especially with black bears, they'll just climb up there. And yeah. they'll, they'll climb up there and, and yep. get it down. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. it's not that that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, they, they eat it 99% of the time. The bucket's just there at the bottom of the tree. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing that I ran into is, well, then they eat all your stink. Right. right? And it doesn't right. sit there and ferment all season and right. everything. Right. Um, the... The way I started doing it was I'll take those those screw in steps that we we're talking about mm-hmm. and I'll essentially gaff a pole 
or gaffer tree mm. um, with those steps. And I'll just climb up to a certain point and tie a rope off, come down. I'll have a loop that'll then hook my bucket into and then find a tree further away. So the bucket's hanging in between the trees. You don't have to do it super high mm-hmm. up. Um, the obviously a little being a little bit higher up might give you a little bit more scent advantage depending on the yeah. wind in your area. Right, right. But you don't right. have to be super high up. For the most part, if they're swiping at it and they just can't quite hit it, or maybe they can barely hit it, it'll keep them entertained and it'll get you a lot of really cool pictures on your trail camp. Too. Oh yeah, yeah. Get them but, stand up like that. So and then you go to the other side. You just tie the tie the rope off of the tree, and those those screw in steps are super easy to put in and out. They it's, are. it's not. So I've actually done this a few different ways with stink buckets. Last year, um, I I was setting up a brand new bait when when you and I went into this one spot. And we didn't hang it up super high. Mm -hmm. But I've I've kind of experimented now. And I'm to the point where I like a stink bucket at the beginning. But mm-hmm. I don't try to keep one there all year long. I'm the same way. Really? Yeah. I'll put it up maybe six or seven feet, just as high as I can reach. Mm-hmm. And then um, just leave it there. And then the bears get to it eventually. They'll knock it down. They'll eat everything in the bucket. And mm-hmm. they'll probably break the bucket. And uh, next time I go in there and I see the, that it's knocked down and eaten out, I'll just take that bucket out with me and just, mm. just carry it out. Yep. Yeah. Um, and now I've got bears there. And now I've got other scents bringing mm-hmm. them in, like nasty boar and other mm-hmm. things. That initial blast of just rotten stench yeah. of a stink bucket really helps to make them find the bait. Mm-hmm. Once you have bears there, I don't necessarily try to keep a stink bucket there all year long. When I used to do that, and, and I say all year, all season long, you know, through <laughs> through, through the two months. Um, I found that when I left the stink bucket up there way out of reach before because I, I at one bait i did when i first set it up um that my other bait that uh that i don't think you guys have been there yet um that one when i first set it up years ago i climbed up two or three tree steps worth and mm. I, I hung that bucket like 15 feet in the air off a tree step and the bears never got to it mm. And which kind of surprised me because it was all black bears and usually they climb up and grab them right pretty quickly. That's what's been my experience. Yeah, though. and I, they never they never grabbed it. They would they climbed up the tree, but they didn't knock it down. I don't know if it was <laughs> just a bad angle, um, but they they just didn't knock it down. And it stunk in there for the first three or four weeks that it was there. I mean, pretty much all through May. It I mean, it still mm-hmm. reeked as soon as you got into the bait. Mm-hmm. But they didn't knock it down, and then. After three or four weeks, you know, the, the, the water in the bottom of the bucket kind of evaporated yeah, out of there, kind of just dried out. Right. And all that stink just solidified mm-hmm. and it didn't really stink that much anymore. Yeah. So I took it out, scraped it out of the bucket and dumped it on the bait pile and then dumped grease all over it and they ate it. Yeah. But, you know, I, from, from then on, I've pretty much since then put my buckets a little bit lower so that they can swat it down in the first couple of weeks of season. Mm-hmm. That way, I just come in, see the bucket's down. Now, sometimes if the bucket is still intact, I'll use that as an indicator bucket. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll leave that like on top of the bait pile with a stick underneath of it. Mm-hmm. That way, when I'm coming in, I have an indicator as to, where, as to whether or not the bait has been hit or kind not. Of a, kind of a flag. Right. Yeah. Yep. That way, if I can peer through the trees and, oh, there's my orange Home Depot bucket sitting on my bait, there might not have been action there. Now, they, they might have. Yeah. But- usually if they come in, they'll knock it out of the way to get to the bait. Yep. That's a really good little 
you know, indicator. Some guys will use grease jugs. I don't like yeah. to leave anything there that they can just tear up and make a mess yeah, with. Yeah, that, 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 that I've got to walk through the woods looking for bucket chunks, mm-hmm. you know, until I'm satisfied that I'm cleaned Done up. Done that too many yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> right. So a, a lot of times I'll just even use indicator sticks now. That's um, I use if, if spruce boughs. Yeah, yeah. If if I don't want to leave a bucket or a grease jug there, which I you know sometimes I'll leave a bucket there, but not all the time. Mm-hmm. But at minimum, I will stick some some little uh, sticks in the bait. Yeah. That way, when I come in, I can look through the trees and at, at a little bit of a distance, mm-hmm. you know, fifty yards at the most, really, and just get an idea: is it hit or not? Yeah. And that that works too. One thing I, I resorted to at several baits is is just using uh, spruce boughs leaned over the barrel. Yeah. Um, because yep. they're super light. Right. And so the bears are just going to come in be like, what's this annoying thing in and my way and just swipe it to the side. And you've always got them there on your barricade. Right. So yeah. when when you go in, you sit or freshen up your bait and then you go to leave, you just put them right back on right. over the top of the barrel. Right. And right. you can easily look in there and see. A lot of guys, you know, I guess color of the barrel could be something we could touch mm-hmm. on too. Okay. Um, you know, because a lot of guys like to use those kind of camouflage um, barrels where they'll they'll take what used to be a nice blue uh, fifty five gallon drum and they'll 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 spray paint it. And I've done that too with certain ones, especially if I'm in an area where I think somebody else may potentially be walking through the woods. Um, back when I, you know, and it's you don't really need to do that. No. Um, a lot of the barrels I'm using now are the kind of those the plastic. The, the blue plastic drums yep, and they don't care that it's blue. They, do they don't care, care that it's, you know, yellow or orange or whatever your, your barrel is. It, it's not going to make them go away at all. Mm-hmm. But when you have one of the benefits, you know, people often try to camouflage their, their barrels because they think it matters. But one of the benefits to not doing that is when you're using something like a spruce bow mm-hmm. to cover your bait. Now it stands out against that, that off colored mm-hmm. barrel. You can see the blue behind it or the yellow or the orange or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's, that's just one thing I, I thought I'd mention real quick. Okay. Yeah. With the stink but, bucket thing for me, I, I used to hang them up high. I used to do like one high, one low. Mm-hmm. And the last couple baits I did, I just hung one low on a tree about head height. Yeah. And they get to it easy. They get to it quick. Um, but I do that. I'll, I'll, I'll mix up the, mix it up with a stick, mm-hmm. toss the stick through the trees. Yep. And, you know, and if bears don't come right away, <clears throat> the bit, it's still there the next time stinking and guess what I can grab a stick mix it up throw the stick through the trees right, again right. right and but but like you said once they get there yeah, yeah. they knock it over yeah they, mm. they you know they beat they chew the bucket up hopefully it's hopefully I can use it again next year but maybe not yeah and uh, you know yeah, they eat everything that's in it and that's right. that so, so I, I don't really don't know I mean I, I've left mine there all season long yeah, yeah. and I do the same my, thing. my solution to the drying out portion where the water in there starts to dry out and it, because it does lose scent very quickly oh yeah, yeah yeah is i started carrying in just a little bit of water with me you know like a one gallon jug something like that mm. and i just throw it on my packboard along with everything uh-huh. else in there you don't even notice it's there really um and i would just start refreshing the water in there like you said i'd go in there i'd you know especially if it's on a string you just lower it down real quick you add a little bit more water in there mix it up mm-hmm. hang it back up now, so because I leave it there all season long, I really don't know if it matters or not. Yeah. I just know that it, right. I, yeah. it's there. I leave it. It smells. If it, it keeps it rancid, then yeah, that, that, that might be a good idea to do mm-hmm. that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because it's that evaporation, I think, right. is really what helps to kind right. of get, spread that Once sense, it dries so. out, it just loses that right. stench. Right. Yep. Right. Yeah. An- right. Another good, really good way that people use kind of, it was mentioned here in the, in the regs was the skinned carcasses of fur bears, fur animals, unclassified game, and small game. 
Beaver. Beaver except, carcasses. Except birds. Except birds. Yeah, there is a right. parenthesis section right. in there that says except birds. That's an interesting side. I don't I think know why they would say except birds. I think it's because if it's waterfowl, you're supposed to consume the meat off a of waterfowl. Yeah, but what if you just step on the wings of a grouse and pull the breasts out and then you can't toss the rest of that grouse out on there? I mean, they might. That probably wouldn't be an issue, but I think it's more um, like unclassified game. Uh, you know, in the regs, you're going to have gray jays and all this kind of stuff that mm. if you find, you're going to, you find dead, you know, there's incidental catch and traps and stuff right, like that. Yeah. I, and they don't want you using that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But, you but can it's use in the regs, like, so. You, you can use like Martin carcasses and all that right, kind of stuff. Right, yeah. You so know, if you run a trap line. Yep, or know fox, somebody that runs a trap line. Fox, coyote, stuff this, like that. This time know. of year, every single Facebook page regarding bear baiting has guys posting for sale, you know, yeah. the different beaver carcasses oh, yeah. and everything like that because bears will go nuts over that stuff. Yeah. Um, that, <laughs> that beaver caster smell just does yeah. the trick, man. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's why a lot of these these other bait companies, but specifically Bait of 907 that we're going to be talking right. about here, you know, they, they have specific beaver caster scents and it's because right. the bears, they just love that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's stinky, and they have, it sticks to everything. Right. It's, you know, it, it smells like a natural food source that yeah. they go after. They have that beaver caster scent. I, I believe they have it in a spray bottle. Yep. They have it in, do they have it in the, I, an, do I, they, they have it in a, the yo-yos as well? I don't think they have it in yo-yos, but I think they have one of the smears. They have it. I think in they the, have the smear. They and have then, it in the then, Bruins then, Brunt, which is like a powder. The powder, powder right, yeah. right. And then they have it in the, do they have it in the bait additive too, as far as the grease additive? I think they might. They I, might. I, I, I have thought, to look, I yeah. thought they had it as a grease additive too. Yeah. Well, it's I have not to look. like we don't have the internet today, folks. The old interwebs. <laughs> yeah, we, we can check and see. <laughs> but, but yeah, using carcasses like that is not only a, a good way to add to the amount of food that they can go after, but those carcasses are rank yeah <laughs> and that is a very good way to get scent spread out there yes um several yes. different methods of attaching the the beavers to your bait would be some guys will just kind of nail the the tails up to the tree and then mm -hmm. hopefully in that way you'll get the bears to kind of stand up on the tree you want to do that up high mm -hmm. that way they're kind of going up clawing at a little bit it's a little bit harder for them to just tear it apart right um i've seen guys that say they they run chicken wire around it mm -hmm. i've never had the you know urge to bring chicken to a bear bait before, right. mm -hmm. but or uh, running some kind of a, a tether, you know, through the rib cage, kind of interlocked through the the ribs and everything, so they can't just pull the entire carcass away. They kind of have to sit there and play yeah. with it and rip it apart to, right. to be able to run off. Mm -hmm. Because something like a beaver carcass, they they have a tendency to come in, grab it, and especially grizzlies will then run off with it and, yeah. and go go eat it somewhere else. Yeah, um, and take it, and bury it, maybe if they don't finish the whole thing. Well. I all right, folks, we all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and action securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA.
I think we're to the point where we talked about scattering the bait and then uh, we discussed the stink bucket deals. I, I wanted to add one more thing about stink buckets. I don't think we quite clarified. When we have all of our garbage and meats and things and fish carcasses mm-hmm. and all that kind of junk in, in a stink bucket, uh, before you put the lid on it to let it sit out in the sun and start to get rank, dump water in it. Now, James, you mentioned putting more water mm. in it. I think that implied that, but I just wanted to clarify what we all do is we'll add a few inches of water to the bottom okay. of that bucket and then uh, you know dump water all over it, mm. and that really helps keep it rank. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, anyway, Stink, I, I just want to make sure that we were clear about soup. that. Yeah, um, I guess I guess we should discuss so scent trails. Was that where we were going to go next yeah, year? Yeah, I was just going to mention with the stink buckets with that. When you do the food scraps at throughout the year thing, yeah. and you just let mm-hmm. them freeze, there's enough moisture in there. By the time you get out bear baiting, it's warmed up enough. You do not pull the lid on that bucket <laughs> no. until you get to the bear bait because yeah. it just starts It starts the process. And when you pull that lid, I, I remember we went at my dad and I were going into a bear bait and we put it in but he had like extra stink buckets or we couldn't get to the bait. I don't remember what it was, but he had more stink, but way more stink buckets than he needed. And he had some stuff that was several years old that had been developed in that way. They'd just been stuffed throughout the year. And so he had like, I think two year old stink buckets with lids on them that hadn't been taken off. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. We, he, <laughs> I remember him saying, stay on the wheeler or, you know, go, go, you know, play in the bushes right there and just wait for me. Don't go anywhere. And he, pulls out of the trailer on the out of the trailer that he had behind the wheeler he pulls a couple buckets and he walks off to, a little off the trail and dumps them out and uh pukes as he's dumping them <laughs> out like he dumps them out and he's over there hurking at least that was what i remember as like an eight-year-old kid and <laughs> just just because he's like i'm tired of hauling these things around let me get get rid of these things mm-hmm, so he was just gonna yeah. dump them you know it, it was bait season they got eaten before the end of the season and all that but <laughs> It, it was just, I mean, it was wow. so nasty that he couldn't even dump him out without yeah losing his lunch. Yeah, wow. and he may not have actually puked, but he was definitely dry heaving. I, I, dry yeah. heaving. Yeah. I heard. I remember. I the image <laughs> in my mind of my dad bent over, uh, just oh. Uh. Well, and I made the mistake my first year doing it of using the, the sealed off lids. You know, the, uh-huh. you can get yeah. the, the, the ones with the gasket around yeah. all the way because where I was living, I was. I was like, man, I don't really want to have these things be off gassing, and you know, right. all my neighbors come knocking at my door. Right. Like, what in the heck? All, are the, you doing? all the neighborhood dogs are coming into <laughs> yeah. your driveway. Yeah, yeah. And the problem with that though is, as they started to cook and and really ferment and just mm-hmm. rot and you know do their thing. I mean, I I could see those barrels getting buckets, yeah, or, or those buckets getting getting tight, getting tight, yeah. getting tight and like kind of drop you, a pop can. The yeah. lid of it just kind of starts <laughs> rising a little bit in the center, and you wrap duct tape I, around the top so those lids don't come off in your mm-hmm. truck. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> I had that thing I, when I was taking it in on the wheeler. I had a, I mean, I, it was strapped down like crazy, and then I put mm-hmm. one up and over the top just to try and make sure that it didn't mm-hmm. didn't pop on me. And man, when I when I popped that lid, it's just like it, it was like a soda can. It was yeah. like. One more quick horror story about stink buckets and we can move on from this. I was packing one in on my pack frame to a bear bait. And this one had been sitting for the most of the winter. I had added some fish to it a few weeks prior, you know, some fish carcasses and guts and whatnot. And I could smell it like just carrying the bucket around. I could Mm -hmm. smell it. Well, I'd already packed in 100 pounds of food to set the bait up. I walked back out. 
I grabbed the stink bucket. I thought, well, I don't want to carry it in my hand. I think it was a full bucket. I mean, it was heavy. Yeah. So I threw on the pack board, started hiking in there, and uh, I tripped and fell. Oh. And the lid popped off. <laughs> I didn't have the lid taped. And that stink. And I, I was almost to the bait. I was almost there. So it mm. wasn't a big deal. Um, but I tripped and fell and dumped that stink all over that pack frame. I took that pack frame straight to the dump, guys. Straight to the dump. It didn't come over the pack frame onto your head. And your no, hair. no. I, I I tripped and fell, and I fell sideways, oh, so okay. it kind of okay. dumped out in front of me. Yeah. yeah. And so it was right above my head and my face, and I <laughs> scrambled up to my hands and knees, and I was, you know, I'm glad you weren't using your eight hundred dollar pack that day, huh? Uh, uh yeah. yeah. I, I don't use expensive packs at Bear Baits. No. I use you know I use the cheap green pack frames from I think they're Kelty pack frames from Sportsman's yeah. Warehouse is where. I buy those. I have the Alps one. Mm-hmm. It's not too much. I think it's like a hundred and something bucks, yeah. but it's got a nice yeah. steady shelf yeah. on the bottom of it. It's, yep. it's got, the, I mean, the shoulder pads on that thing. Yeah. I mean, I can throw a hundred pounds of dog food and, yeah. and you know, some other stuff in there too. Yeah. And it doesn't even phase me. Yeah. Like it's the, really, yeah. you don't need the $700 right. packs to right. go into a bear bait. No, but, you don't even need to spend 200 bucks on it. Just get something 80 to a hundred bucks. You can get a decent pack <laughs> frame with some straps on it. Something you're okay getting some stink yeah. bucket and nasty bore on. I do my best not, I don't carry stink buckets in a pack frame. That's just, how yeah. I do it. It goes really? I hand. don't anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I carry it in my hand by the handle and yeah. a lot more. Yeah. I just, I just don't want it attached to me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> But smooth move. Outside of uh, using stink buckets and and beaver carcasses and other kinds of you know rotting kind of nasty yeah I guess you could say natural <laughs> right you how know many, just, how many people are still listening to this oh know? a lot it, a, a lot if they like bear baiting but they, they here's know. the other question how many people aren't very interested in bear baiting are just disgusted and can't put up with this right hey, now. Hey, that, well, that sounds like their problem. It's, called, it's a great it's time. It's called predator management and bear meat. <laughs> yeah, it wow. is a great time. I don't care. <laughs> and uh, and like I said with with Nasty Boar, it, it will chap your lips, but it's 100% worth it. I, like I said, I, I, I made a, <laughs> like, I, I, I talked about uh, in a Instagram story a couple weeks ago, I said, Beta 907, the best scent lure you'll ever turn your nose to. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. Well, if you put it on your lips, you won't lick your lips. So oh it boy. keeps your lips from getting dry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, I, no. I see what you did there. If, if you value your marriage, you wouldn't do that. She ain't going to kiss you for weeks. <laughs> yeah, you can sleep at the bear bait, honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But no, so there are... Uh, absolute plethora of other options with scent and everything that you should be using in addition to those other options, right? The, yeah. the stink buckets and the carcasses and all that. Um, of those are, you know, a lot of them on Beta 907's website are, you know, they've got different smears of different mm-hmm. textures. You know, some of them are yeah. very light textured smears. Some of them are, are, I think they're literally called tar. Yeah. They're and, really they, heavy. and they act like tar. Uh, she has uh, sprays. Um, powders the, the bait balls powders things yeah. like that Yo-yos. so one of the best ways in addition to bait buckets is like i think you had gone on, on it with scent trails yeah um so why don't you double back on that real quick just for everybody yeah so scent trails uh, it's very important when you set up a bait mm-hmm. to run some scent lines and that means it, you can do it with a grease jug you can do it with spray lures mm-hmm. um so i at a bait site, when I go in, I'm dumping the dog food, I dump the grease all over it, and then I throw a couple of yo-yos up in some branches mm-hmm. uh, right at the bait site, 
And when it rains, that anise or, or whatever, I, I like the anise yo-yos. That's yeah. just my favorite. Me too. And when it, when it rains, that water will help dissolve those yo-yos and that will drip into the ground and the bears will eat the dirt that it drips into. And then I've got some smear pastes around the bait, you know, on, on the underside of some branches right up against the, um, right up against the, the tree itself. You mm-hmm. do that with so, your finger? No, I use a little stick to stir okay. it up and I just smear <laughs> it on the tree. And, uh, and then I'll spray it down. I'll spray the bait with nasty bore and then some cupcake addiction. Mm-hmm. I'll even give the bait pile itself a few shots of cupcake addiction. I really like doing that. Mm-hmm. That really sweetens the pot. No, you know, anyway, and then <laughs> after I'm done all setting up, it, it, again, this is at the beginning of the year, I'll take that bottle and I get 32 ounce bottles. Now mm-hmm. I've gone through a lot of the 16s. I just like using the 32s. Yeah. And I'll just, you know, grab my gun and go for a walk. Yeah. And I'll, I'll go out usually out to 300, 400 yards is great. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then I'll do a big loop around the bait. And sometimes I'll go. If it's kind of a limited spot, if it's a real tight valley that I'm in, then if I'm not in the bottom, then I'll go to the bottom and then back up. And I'll do like mm-hmm. a zigzag pattern back and forth, back and forth to the bait yeah. in different Z pattern directions, right? If you have a lot of area to work with, then you can go as much as a quarter mile away, mm-hmm. you know, 400 yards and change, and then do a loop and, and a line back out. And what you're trying to do is any bear that travels through that scent line is going to follow it back to the bait. Mm-hmm. And it's the classic, you know, cookie crumb trail Yo. right back to right. where the happy pot is. Right. And that's what you're trying to do. You're just trying to get them to intersect that. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you can do it with grease. You can just walk along and just drip it, yeah. you know, do yeah. a little drop here, a little drop there, splash it up against this tree, that tree, and they'll follow that right back into Absolutely. that bait pile. That's very important, especially setting up a brand new bear bait. Mm-hmm. If I have an established bait, then I usually don't do that to that extent because they know every it's there year. already. Because now they know it's there, yeah. right? And they'll come back year after year after mm-hmm. year, oh, yeah. no problem. Yeah. And uh, at, at the beginning of a year, at an established bait, I'll do that, but I'll only go a hundred yards from mm, the bait. Right. I'll go down a little bit, go back and forth, but I'll only I'll do I'll do that little zigzag pattern back and forth about a hundred yards from the bait, mm-hmm. just to get the whole area permeated with that stench. Yeah. Now with that spray bottle. Usually, I'm not using um, uh, the, the the solid stream setting, I guess, you know, wh- yeah. where you're getting like a hard line jet stream yeah. that you're just spraying and it just psh, splatters on whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm using that real fine mist. And as I walk by spruce trees, I'll spray up in the spruce boughs mm-hmm. because there's a lot of surface area up there in those spruce boughs. And as the wind travels through that, yeah. It's a great conductor for that scent to just travel uh, along with the wind as as the breeze goes through that spruce bough, and that's mm-hmm. that's a great way to get a lot of scent in 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 a few spots like that. Usually, as I'm walking, um, I'm I'm spraying a spruce bough or the bottom of a tree or or at least you know arm height of a tree mm-hmm. every five to ten yards. Yeah, that's about mm-hmm. what I like to do. You don't have to go crazy with it. You don't have to go every right. step. You'll burn out a scent pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But every five to 10 yards, that's more than enough. Oh, yeah. You can even do less than that and get away with it. And uh, just do that. And that'll really help to find, uh, to, to help bears that are just traveling through there mm-hmm. to find your bait. And if you intersect game trails, well, yeah. 
that's where you're going to get the money because the, those bears are already going to be on those trails, mm-hmm. whether they're following moose or just going from their den to a different area to go find food or mm-hmm. whatever it is. As soon as they cross that, they're they're going to perk right up and, ooh, that smells like yeah. a cupcake. <laughs> they're going to go to your bait. I was going to say the, the method I've been using for, for scent trails is I, I imagine, and this is a throwback to Kansas here, imagine a sunflower. Right? Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. I, um, Imagine the bait is the center of the sunflower. Yep. So I'll do circles around the bait, um, usually starting at like 25 yards, 50 yards, 100 yards. And then from there, I'll typically, and I'm usually just tracking myself on my, my Onyx maps or whatever to mm-hmm. kind of make sure I'm in the, in the right area to where, or in relativity to my bait. And then I'll start doing almost like a sunflower pattern out mm. um, to where I'm, I'm going out even farther, maybe another mm-hmm. 100 yards, maybe a little farther, depending on if, I'm, if yeah. I found a good area where they're walking through yeah and i'll just start kind of making multiple trails in and out that way if i catch one coming in from the far west he can follow that trail a little bit to the left and it starts leading them right back to the bait yeah um if he follows it if i catch one from the far east right he he again there's a trail leading right back to the bait yeah and and once they're in close you don't want to overly saturate too much you you do want to center kind of concentrate that smell towards the barrel towards the food that way they they are following directly to it but like you said, with game trails, mm-hmm. man, I mean, I will do, you know, like I said, anywhere from 100 to 200 yards, sometimes out to 300, depending on how frisky I'm feeling someday with those, yeah. those sunflower patterns. But right. if you find a game trail, I, I had one bait where I was set up perfectly on a bear, on a bear tunnel going through this thick okay. stuff. Yep. And I just ran as far out on that as I could until the, until the bottle ran out of smell good. Yeah. And because, I mean, like you said, they're traveling it They're And if I can find one that's, mm-hmm. you know, half a mile away this direction mm-hmm. and have him follow it all the way back to my barrel, yeah, and that's they, all and the more will. better. And, and it's easy, easy walking usually. Right, you yeah. don't have to duck under some things, but like right. for the most part, you get on one of those trails and you just go. Yep. And, and you just go as far as you can yep. until you run out of smell. The farther you can go with a scent trail at, at a new bait, the mm-hmm. better off you're going to be. It the higher be, your chances and are. And people would be amazed at the difference it can make. And yeah. you can have the greatest scents and lures at your bait site. If it's a brand new bait, it'll, it can make as much of a difference as a week to two weeks difference in mm-hmm. how quickly you get hit from the time of setup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you are good about running scent trails. Yeah. They will find it much faster. Yep. Much, much faster. And one thing, I have not personally tried this because it sounds like it might get caught and snagged on some things, but I was talking to an old timer one time and he said his go-to for scent trails was to soak a burlap sack in the fry grease uh, oh, okay. and just kind of, okay. as he's going around spraying and things like that, he's also dragging that behind him. Yeah. And leaving that that smell, that scent. And you're not leaving a whole lot, right? But it's, right. it's just yeah, kind of a, yeah. another aspect of the trail. Bears have a nose seven times better than a bloodhound. Mm-hmm. They can smell that. So yeah. yeah. I, uh, what, I've, what I do for a scent trail is I don't usually try to make any kind of pattern around my bait or anything like that. I've never done that. Um, I run, I'll just run like a mile, I'll walk a mile. Mm. Uh, what, I'll find an easy path to follow, whether it's a creek in the bottom of a gorge I'm baiting near or you know, if it's a little path, if it's just along the side of a hill and it's kind of an easy place to walk, I'll just walk. And, and, and typically what I'll do is I'll put a bait out. If I don't have anything after a week, I walk, I put in a scent trail. Mm-hmm. That's typically the way I do it. Um, because I, I definitely have put in a lot of baits where I sent up the bait itself good. And within a week or two, I have bears. And, yeah. and then yeah. if I'm not getting bears, you know, then, then it's like, all right, well, let me go 
spread some scent. Yeah. And yeah. I'll just go I'll just go a direction a mile and and honestly at 20 25 yards a little squirt or a little drip of grease cuz like I said they've got really good nose and all I'm trying mm-hmm. to do is create a trail that they're going to catch and turn and follow back to the bait. Right. Yeah, right. Cuz yeah, if I, they can come from miles based on the wind mm-hmm. blowing scent away from my bait. Right. Well, right. and you got to think throw like you would say with how powerful their noses are compared to dogs. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody that again has a dog, so yeah, not mo. Right. But um, <laughs> <laughs> if you if you've walked your dog, um, and you see them where they'll just put a little, they'll they'll just pee on the side of the trail every little splash. Mm-hmm. That is actually an old instinct of finding a trail back wherever they came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of why they do that. They're not actually peeing because they have to go pee. They're peeing. They're scent marking as they go. Yeah. yeah. And and I mean, if you watch a dog, I mean, it's pretty spread out. Yeah. But they go until they can't smell it anymore and then they make another spot. And they go until they can't smell it anymore and they make another spot. So I've been told, I've been told, mm-hmm. um, this is something somebody mentioned to me the other day. You said a bear's nose is seven times stronger than a bloodhound's? That's the number that I recall. I, I, okay. I, I'm, 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 I say I haven't heard that before, but just... I'm going to look up and verify powerful. right now. Okay. Yeah. I have heard, somebody told me this yesterday. I don't know where he got this, uh, but he watched something or, or somebody told him about a study they were testing how good a bloodhound can smell mm-hmm. and they took i don't know they took like a can of food that smelled like the food it was mm-hmm. and they dropped it in a river and just let it sink to the bottom of the river and then took a boat up the river with a dog in it and the dog could take him to the spot in the river and the can was below mm. man that's pretty impressive that, that's insanely impressive <laughs> right like and i, I don't know yeah. I, I, like I said, I don't know well, and anything I, about that. That's what I was told. And I, I think, aren't some of the police dogs, like with the um, forensics units, mm-hmm. trained to like smell buried corpses? Like oh, yeah, when they're they, looking they for, corpses, for murders, they smell like drugs, that could be buried right. feet under the dirt. They can still yeah, somehow exactly. smell it. Like, right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, don't think you have to power blast the scent trail and waste your entire 32 ounce bottle within right. the first hundred yards. I mean, it's not, okay. that's where a lot of people go wrong is they use, it's not that you're going wrong as in too much scent for the bears. They're going to be interested either way. Mm-hmm. It's that you're cutting yourself short on your distance that you could be covering and, and the, right. the, the sheer vastness that you could spread that scent out to. You, you can, you know, personally, I, I'll take a bottle and spread it between two or three, four baits at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year. And, you know, and then maybe another bottle later in the year, just as freshen up as I'm when, you know, oh, when yeah, I walk in. For right? sure. Yeah. So I, I got some information here. A bloodhound's sense of smell is 300 times better than humans. On the other hand, a bear's sense of smell is almost 100 times higher than a bloodhound. Really? What? No yeah. way. Yeah. Really? They have a olfactory bulb, the area of the brain that manages smell, is at least five times larger than ours. Wow. Yeah. That is insane. So they can smell much better than a bloodhound can. Much, much better. <laughs> so that's the way to... Oh, man. Man, if you, so, if you could train a bear to... The way to a bear. <laughs> <was gonna> <laughs> you're going to start seeing the cops running around with drug, drug bears. <laughs> right. <laughs> the way to a bear's stomach oh, is through his nose. To cocaine yeah. bear, huh? <laughs> oh, boy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. But, and you know, you know, man, that is insane. Yeah. So, and you know, the other cool thing with scent trails is you're able to 
like we had talked about with the wind and, and scent travel and everything like that, when you're spreading that scent out throughout higher points and lower points and you're making these trails, I mean, that can just add to how much of that scent the wind is picking right. up and really right. aid in your, exactly. in your right. travel. And man, if they have a hundred times better than a bloodhound. Yeah, I, I, it seems to I mean, me like that the, the and I didn't see this right away, but the number that I saw before was that they had seven times more olfactory nerve receptors okay. than yeah. a bloodhound. And that's where I got that number mm. from. But apparently it's almost a hundred times better Man. smell than a bloodhound does. Could you imagine? Well, it explains how bears oh. find my bait so fast. Ouch. Yeah. Now, I, I, I was going to quick make a note on this. So, Mariah, you were talking about how you'll... You'll set up a bait, and sometimes you won't run a scent trail right away, and you'll get mm-hmm. bears within a week or two. I, I have done the same thing, but what I was trying to say earlier was I've noticed an improvement on how fast on how fast they find it. If you have limited time, say you can only bait for the month of June. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I, I'm I'm going to give away a hmm, a little bit of a secret here. Oh man, so. We should have a jingle for secrets. Yeah. Th- this is uh, we should work on that. Dalton's secret <laughs> trick. <laughs> secret so, if secret you take, segment. If you take a, a water blaster mm-hmm. from your local Walmart and you can uh, take about two gallons of water, hot boiling water at your house, okay, and take a little spoonful of nasty boar paste. Oh, don't, don't, don't. Oh yeah! Don't say it, bro. Oh yeah! Say it. No, 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 no. You mix it in the bucket. Uh, carry carry that out to your bear bait. You don't mix it in the house. No, there's no way. <laughs> Nasty board is not coming to my house. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> and you take one of those uh, those water blaster pool guns. Mm-hmm. Just a big old foamy blaster. Yep. Take that out to the bait. They're like a buck fifty. God. And you pop that bucket open, man. Suck up a, a tube full of water, and just aim it up into a uh-huh. spruce tree, and just yeah, and then run. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that at one bait before, and I had a bear hit it that night. Yeah. Oh, I bet the, the um. I bet the amount of nasty boar in yeah. the air. Just I. I would be surprised. I, I wouldn't be surprised if a bear could smell that a mile or two oh, away. Easily. You can get the nasty boar in the spray bottle. No, that's yeah. not the same thing. Bro. I have it I know, too. But <laughs> it ain't the same as water gunning you know, a tree. It's not going to be compared to a, to I just, a I just, jet blaster. I didn't even get those nasty boar in the spray bottle. Oh, I do. Oh, every time. I, I get several I bottles a year. The, the the spray bottles tend to drip whatever you have in. Oh, they yeah, do. That's why you keep them in a plastic bag all the time. That's, yeah, still. That's the risk you take, bro. <laughs> I will do terrible things to kill bears. No. Uh. <laughs> uh, but any, no. anyway, that, that's that's my uh, that's yeah. my big secret. No, I have seen people. I have uh, I have tried this once, and so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna advise against using this because it's along the same lines. I saw a guy. And and he was doing a video. This was back in the day, and he was using that for grease. Um, he was loading up his grease in, yeah, a, in yeah. a, one of those cannon things and, <laughs> water, and trying to, water cannons and trying to push it through. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it, it it looked great, right? It I looks awesome. This is going, yeah. The problem is when you're using fry grease, right. there's a bunch of little nasty, yeah. you know, old chunks of food right. and things and solid stuff. So I don't know if this guy was using like new grease or with an additive it. in it. 
Um, or filtering it. And, you yeah. know, that might yeah. be a, a stage some people are patient enough to go through. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Um, I want and, the fries in there. <laughs> right. Yeah. I want those little pieces in there. So if you're just yeah. going to use straight fry grease, that's not going to work. Um, but what I did resort to is I will use, I'll, I'll bring in um, like a little two gallon bucket or something like that mm-hmm. or something small that I can then um, uh, basically put, let's say, half a gallon at a time of grease into yeah. and kind of do the same thing. Right. Um, because I've spread it around for years just using the, the regular little jugs that yeah. it comes with that you pick it up from at the when it's sitting outside yep. by the dumpsters. Yep. And, and, and they do have a decent sized nozzle on them. You know, it's, it's probably, what, two, three inches wide, something About like two, that. Two yeah. and a half inches. And, yeah. and so you can spread it out decently among the ground, but right. when you really want to get that, that smell onto, let's say, some bushes and mm-hmm. some things like that and get it on, one thing I like is I love getting grease and even smell good um, additives on a uh, brush that's about the same height level as the bears right. because as, then as they're walking through they're getting it on their fur they're getting it and then they then walk through the brush further down and then they're mm-hmm. putting it on those leaves and just right. spreading that scent out for right them. right and so having you know a larger bucket that you can put yep. some of that grease into just helps uh mist it a little right. bit more it gives you right. instead yep. of a, a three ounce or a three inch nozzle yeah. That you're trying mm-hmm. to spread spread this out through, you've got nine inch and, wide bucket, and and you can throw that tiny little bucket worth of grease a lot higher and spread yeah. it out a lot better than you can a five gallon jug of grease that's heavy, mm-hmm. and you're probably going to get some splash on your boots. <laughs> yeah, you are, you know. <laughs> so now I have many many years of working grease jugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what I will do is if I take if I take a full five gallon jug of grease, which a lot of times if I have one that's like half full, I'll take that because that's right. a lot of grease. Yeah, it is. And I will dump most of it on the bay. I'll spread most of it. I'll take, a, a, when I get down a couple inches in the bottom, if I'm not going to like walk it through the woods or something, I'll take that couple inches. And if you hold that jug just right with a hand on the handle and a hand on the back and you, and, and you kind of, you, you th- th- like you're going to throw it, but you mm-hmm. stop and you position it just right, yeah. you can get that grease to spray out of that hole just like you're talking about. Hmm. You just, and it hit, it just kind of flies through there, hits that hole and it just missed. And you can can't hit it way up, up high, See, I've tried way that. Way up into trees and. I, I've done that for a long time and, and once I tried the bucket method, I'll never yeah. go back. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a lot it's, easier doing that. But it is one extra thing to bring in, but again, I don't right. mind carrying a bunch of stuff well, when I'm everybody chasing who's bears. Listening, it's, um, if you want to, you know, we've all got different methods of doing stuff. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the, I think the best way to gauge it by is just who kills the most bears. <laughs> <laughs> Are we starting a competition this no, year? Just, <laughs> not <But>. guiding. Not <laughs> guiding. Not guiding. No, no, not, not even including guiding. I just no. mean this, this, this spring. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, is this a competition? Well, we're going to be running a bunch of baits together. So. <laughs> right, right. I know. So it, it, we are a team. Tuned. We are a team. <laughs> but uh, so let's get into, so that's a lot of good stuff about grease and whatnot. Let's get into like what products Betum 907 makes yeah. that we love to use and how to use them too, should, because that's, yeah, that's a big part of it is a lot of people will look at this plethora yeah. of, of options and not... Yeah. We should go around and each of us say what we use from Batum that we like the most sure. and what we want to do with it. So why don't you go ahead and start that? Um, so firstly, for me, um, I really love their their bait additive powders. Um, I think that that adds a, a huge um, benefit to any food that you put at the barrel. I think it just makes it that much more enticing to them. They have a ton of different flavors. Um Everything from, I want to say they have cinnamon roll and blueberry and honey and, honey and bacon and all this other stuff that you can spread on there. And it's, it's simply just a little powder 
it's a, a does it come in one pound or two pound? I don't remember right now. Probably either. Um, I want to say but, two pound. Yeah, and, and it's Pretty just sure. a, a a case, a Ziploc case, and you can just open it up, and you just kind of mist, not mist because it's a powder, but you just sprinkle. kind of sprinkle it over it the top It looks like there. powdered sugar. It really does, yeah, yeah. and it has a, really the same consistency. Right. It's very light. Um, with that, you don't need to overdo it. Right. You don't need to be coating it like you would a uh, funnel cake at the fair, right? Yeah. It's Two pounds um, is more than enough for a bait pile. Right. And yeah. so you can really uh, you can really kind of increase the desire of the bait and, and draw them into that food. Yeah. Um, I also really like their their other powders like the Bruins Brunt. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a powder that you you spread around kind of outside of the bait area yeah so we've talked about having your barrel set up in your your backstop and everything where you're trying to aim the baits when you say outside the bait area that's what i'm getting to is okay so you have your where you're trying to aim the bears around to Mm. to walk in a certain distance right you want to spread that powder around Mm. on the ground directly in front of the barrel but not on the food yeah and what that does is that allows them to walk through it and yeah. as they're walking through it, I mean, it is, it's crazy how much they, they love that stuff too. They'll, they'll get on the ground and roll around in it. And, and that stuff looks more like uh, cane sugar. Yeah. It's like granulated yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's little itty bitty crystals right. almost. And, right. and they go nuts over that stuff. Yeah. And, and the cool thing is it gets lodged into all the different uh, creases in their pads and it yeah. gets on the fur. And then they'll kind of the same thing I was talking about with the grease when they get grease on them is they'll, they'll then track that kind of away yeah. and create yep. their own scent trails yep. with where they're going. Yep. Um, man, outside of that, their sprays mm-hmm. have to be some of probably the best sprays I've ever used by far. baiting. I've yeah, used, by far. I've used so many different kinds from so many different stores and, and manufacturers. And I can tell you, um, I'm a, as well, a big, a big fan of the anise smells, mm-hmm. um, which is for anybody listening that doesn't know, that's just the black licorice scent basically. Right. If yeah. you've ever smelled black licorice, that's anise. Um, that's the name of the root that it's derived from. And her formula for that is the strongest I've ever smelled and it hangs around the longest for anise for, for anise and honestly for just about everything right. but specifically yeah. for anise I've tried so many different versions whether it's the, the cheap little bottles you get from from Sportsman's I don't even know what brand that is but it's you know the, they, they sell their own stuff there um, or you know there's several different people that make it hers just it, it, it smells better it mm-hmm. travels farther yeah. Um, yeah. her using those products those sprays specifically, I'm able to smell my bait long before I'm get in, out of I the truck and it. you get a little breeze. And you can <laughs> exactly. Smell it, yeah. Now, the hard thing with that, since using hers, is that I'm a huge fan of black licorice. And so now, <laughs> every time I go to the bait, I have to bring black licorice because I'm sitting there smelling it and it's just going to drive me crazy I mean, if I'm sitting there. That's a good snack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, um, but. You know, it's it's the sprays that she has, they just seem to be more water resistant. They seem to yep. be more potent. And and that's one reason I, I've I've been using her products for years. And but the the way you want to utilize those sprays, and and then I'll pass this on, is you don't want to be spraying it, I guess you can say willy-nilly. You know, you don't just want to be spraying it everywhere, every which way. Okay. Try to think a little bit strategically when you're spraying these things. Spray the underside of mm-hmm. spruce boughs. Um, you can miss the tops. Now, why is that? Because even though it is water resistant, um, you do still want to protect it as much as possible. From so, what kind of water? Rain yes. and dew. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so talk about so, uh, t- talk about if you come into your bait after a rain, does it smell the same? 
Uh, with other products. With other products, no. Yeah. Um, with other products, I will walk into a bait it that normally dead. I can smell 100 right. yards away, and I'll walk in and be like, what on earth happened here? Yeah. Um, with hers, it's it, it does dampen it a little bit yeah. simply because there's water around sure. and everything like that, and it's sure. kind of misted. Um, but no, I, I can still smell my bait long yeah. before I can see it. Yeah. Um, that is a, a, a huge benefit there mm -hmm. because when when things are fresh after a rain like that, that's animals love to move around and especially mm -hmm. bears. Um, yeah. you know, and so uh having the ability to keep your scent going. Because the other thing is not only just right after the scent, but I've noticed with other products that even after everything dries up, it just never really comes back. Mm -hmm. You know, it it doesn't ever really go back to the way it was. Whereas with her stuff, I've noticed after everything kind of settles and evaporates off and it's nice and dry in there again, it just it it smells pretty much like it did right. when you sprayed it on. Yeah. Um, it didn't go anywhere. The, right. the, the oil-based sprays that she uses, whatever base she's using just sticks and yeah. it stays there. Yep. Um, so, but do, st you still want to keep in, into consideration protecting it as much as you can just mm -hmm. because water resistance does not equal waterproofness. Right. So, um, spraying the underside of branches and mm -hmm. things like that is really good. Um, like I said, with brush, if you're, if you're able to spray low as well as high. You want to spray really high up in the spruce trees where the wind is going to come through all those needles and, and just catch yeah, it and carry it that. off. But you also don't want to neglect spraying low in the, in the lower brush that they're going to be walking through. Uh -huh. Right. Um, what scent spray do you like, James? Oh, man, all of them. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite? I mean, I'm the same way, but what's your favorite? Yeah, um, let's see. So I do use the anise sprays quite a bit. Um, I like that one. I've gotten away from those ones a little bit in the last couple of years just trying out different things. Right. Um, I really like the, uh, uh, what's... Uh, molasses cookie, I think is the one okay. it is. Mm. Um, I like that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, she does have the Michigan mash sprays as well. Um, that one kind of has like a cherry flavor to it almost or a cherry scent. Uh huh. Um, and I'm going to say, how do you know what the flavor is, James? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here's a another, hungry. <laughs> another question. How much of our preferred scents have to do with what we think attracts the bears or what we like? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so I, I've had this idea for a while, but if Jess could come out with a candy business mm -hmm. and make cupcake addiction <laughs> candies and uh, fruity rubble candies. The bear bait snacks. Yo. Yeah. And lollipops and stuff. Man, she'd make a killing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There, there's a business idea for you because uh -huh. all of us bear baiters get hungry smelling all oh, of our yeah. lures and attractants. Um, Let me look here. I'm, I'm just double checking. Okay. Like, saying the correct names because I don't want to be putting people over to her. Right. Um, so the, uh, the beaver caster is one that I will use quite a bit. Okay. Um, I ordered several of those this year. For a spray. I don't use that. I, I do use it as a, yeah. And yes, as for spray, but I don't use it necessarily around the bait site as much as I do the other, the other things like uh, fruity rubble and, and whatnot. Um, typically when I'm in the bait, I like to use the sweeter smells. Mm -hmm. um, but the one thing I love about the beaver caster is, um, I will use that for my scent trails. Okay. And, and that, yeah. is, that is one I really use. I'll use it as I'm walking out of the bait, heading back to the truck, just, uh -huh. to, just, just as I'm walking, just every, every which way, because, you know, I'm probably walking through where a bear is going to be walking right. in between my bait and right. my truck. And so that's a good way to, to get a scent trail out there as well. Um, but that one, it just, it really has a strong scent. And, mm. and that one I've, I've noticed really travels. That's one I've, I've noticed I can really smell a long ways away. Okay. So for, for scent trails, I really like the beaver caster. Um, but Applejack smells amazing. Um, and I didn't even see this one before. 
I might have to make Every time order. I look, I feel like there's some stuff I didn't Apparently see Apparently she has bacon with estrus? Mm-hmm. That sounds fascinating. Yeah. I might have to order some of that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, but but yeah, I, I really like the 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 fruity smells, the sweet okay. smells, things like that. Any any kind of the the cookies. Um, like I said, the Michigan mash has uh, like a, a kind of a fruity cherry. It's gotcha. it's based. I, I want to say it's based off of a kind of pop that they sell out there. Really really awesome, really good stuff. But um, but no, it's yeah. As long as you spray them in the right places, you're you're spreading them out properly and you're protecting it from as much water as you can. Right. Man, you can't go wrong with sprays. Yeah, so I agree. What about you, Mo? Well, I prefer, and this is just what I've stuck to because it's what I started with. And it's also, for me, it's kind of, uh, it's what they eat in the spring. So it's what I like. I just stick to it when it comes to the spray is the blueberry spray. Mm -hmm. They eat blueberries in the spring. They eat blueberries in the spring. Really? Well, in the fall. Never mind. Yeah, forget that. Forget I said in the spring. No, no, no. I I was being somewhat sarcastic because bears do find the old frozen blueberries. I was just going to say. The the, the the fermented ones, yeah. They they do vacuum those bad boys up. You threw me off. You really (laughs) threw me for a loop there. (laughs) That's a trick question. No, they, they do love the blueberries, and I just, I stick to the blueberry It's a familiar smell. It's a familiar smell. I like the blueberry smell. It's what I've always used. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I said, hey, I think there's a lot of this that has she to do with to, what she we needs like. to make a Snickers spray. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I like to run yo-yos as well. Yeah. Uh, I'll always run at least a yo-yo per per bait. Just toss one up in the tree. And 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 it's back to the stink buckets. A lot of this stuff is a beginning when you set up the bait. This is to get bears there. Once you've got bears there, you'll maintain it a little bit, but you don't necessarily need to. Mm-hmm. Um you don't necessarily need to continue to like swamp it every time you walk in there with tons of smell, unless you know, you're not getting bears or you can't keep them. Mm. Um, but they've got, she's got the scent balls. I've never run any of those, which is, it's the, it's like a big bell designed for hanging between two trees. Mm -hmm. I've never run those, but they're like a giant yo-yo basically. Yeah. Yeah. A little more work to put up. It looks like a big giant, nasty Hershey kiss. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it it almost looks like, uh, if, if you think about, for anybody that's seen Jurassic Park, that thing, the resin that that mosquito was. Oh, right. It's kind of that amber color. It right. just looks like that, really. It's, right. It's, 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 like I said, it's like a big yeah. yo-yo. You know what the yo-yos yeah. look like. Um, Never ha- seen it. And again, with hers, I will I will just put this in there. Her yo-yos and her, her bait balls mm-hmm. last the longest I've ever tried. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. You know, even in the rain, it's kind of designed that when the water hits it, it drips that that water down below it and i mean the bears will just absolutely tear up everything beneath those things oh yeah but they just i've i've put those up before the the big ones the the big ones and they last all season long as long as you can keep the bears from getting them so i uh the the two big things for me uh, i always use is the blueberry spray and the anise bear tar Mm -hmm. um and then i like um i i i i I haven't tried them yet but i'm gonna try them this year is the uh some of the gel balls Mm-hmm. which are just for yeah. spreading on the ground and stuff. And and just, I think I'm going to use those kind of sparingly as like a treat because they'll probably just suck those up when they smell them. But um, but they, they walk on them and, and get it all over their feet. But I think I got mm-hmm. those in the blueberry. Once yeah. again, I, I kind of stick to the yeah, to the, the basics, the blueberry, the anise, the, nasty the, boar. I got some of that coming. They're almost like little uh, little paintballs almost. Like yeah. real little. Okay. But like, yeah, yeah, tiny. They're, yeah, yeah, they're just little, little. What do they taste like? Gel filled. Like, like little uh, fish eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to do it. Like, like, like big, gotcha. big salmon okay. eggs kind of yeah. looking. Yeah. yeah, 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 salmon eggs. Yeah, yeah that's a good way to put Anyhow, it too. That's what I like to use. Mm-hmm. Well, as far as uh, yo-yos go, I'll put up two hanging yo-yos 
per bait. Mm-hmm. I, I like to throw two of those up. That's a real good way. Those are set them and forget them. Right. right. Um, and again, you got to be cautious because if they don't dissolve and fall out of the tree by the end of season, then you got to retrieve them. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, throw them up in a spot where you can get at them. Yeah. <laughs> Toss them as high as you possibly can into the really spindly trees. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Squirrel food. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I, I like two sets of yo-yos per bait myself and man, sprays. I'm pretty much stuck to two sprays right now. And that is cupcake addiction. I know I talked about that in our last episode, talking about bear baiting. I really Mm -hmm. like that to scent up the bait, kind of freshen it up. Every time I go in there, I'll give the bait site a few shots of that right around it in the bait tree and things like that in the spruce trees. Mm -hmm. And then I'll hang that bottle in my stand with me. That way, if I get a bear that is acting uh, well, if he's if he's being a little bit timid about coming in, mm-hmm. maybe he smells something he doesn't like. Me, <laughs> and uh, I'll I'll give I'll give that cupcake addiction a few squirts right around the right, right from my bait, right from my stand tree. Sorry, and oftentimes that'll kind of waft off into the wind, and he'll go downwind of you because he's trying to figure out what you are, mm. and he'll smell that, and he'll get more interested in the cupcake addiction spray than he will. Your the, uh, sweat. Marble mm-hmm. Reginald Spice? Yeah. yeah. Nope. <laughs> Not on this guy. <laughs> same, same here, but... But yeah, that, that's that's going to stick as our saying. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I, I like that Cupcake Addiction a lot for that. I Personally, that, that's one of my favorite ones as far as the sweet scents go. Mm-hmm. I've used the Cupcake Addiction Burns a lot too. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to do a whole lot of burns this year. I, I might. I, I might try mm-hmm. a few again, but I, I have had great luck with them in the past. I just like to experiment. Mm-hmm. So uh, Nasty Boar, it goes without saying. Yep. I talk about it all the time. Absolutely. That's If I could only bear bait with one scent, it would be Nasty Boar. Yeah. Absolutely. 10 times out of 10. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's the best scent out there. And I'll, I'll spray that Nasty Boar around the bait site again, just like I do with the cup with the cupcake addiction mm-hmm. i'll spray that uh a lot of times i'll spray the nasty bore in the barricade itself and then a couple shots up on the trees and that's good right just to freshen it up mm-hmm. every time i go in there and then i run uh some smear paste mm-hmm. i'm i've become really partial to two smear paste scents as well it's anise and then I also use Insane Banana. Mm-hmm. And that Insane Banana is really, really strong smelling. You might not think that a sweet banana smell is going to smell that strong, yeah. but it absolutely does. It works great. And they love it. Like, I'm, like I explained earlier, I just take a little stick and uh, poke it in that little waxy substance mm-hmm. smear paste, and I'll smear it on the underside of a branch at the base of the branch right on the tree there. And uh, that way the water doesn't really get to it. They are waterproof pastes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, but between Insane Banana and then Anise, I like those for the smear paste. And then I, I go even farther with Nasty Boar. Yeah. I have a six ounce can, uh, the, the little glass jar can of, um, of Nasty Boar. And uh, the, the, uh, the great part about the Nasty Boar is it lasts forever. Um, after a few weeks, the insane banana and, uh, and the anise will somewhat start to not be as pungent at the bait site, but the nasty boar, you can smell that for weeks and weeks and weeks there. Mm. Uh, and that, that one, you have to, you have to stir it around a little bit when you, uh, when you go to apply that, 
you don't have to use very much of that stuff because again, you're also freshening it up with the nasty bore spray. That works real great. Mm. Now, as far as the bait pile itself, I put out those crystals that, that um, uh, man, what, what's that? Now I'm spacing out the name. It, it, is, is it the Bruins Brunt? Yes. The, 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 yeah. That's the crystals. Yeah. Yeah. So for the, for the crystal powders, you can get that little two pound bag. And I, I really like that stripper glitter, which mm. it's just sow and heat estrus smell. And I'll spread a couple of bags of that out every couple of weeks. And I've also used those little gel balls too that mm. smell like the estrus as well. I feel like the Bruins Brunt crystals do a little bit better job. Uh, I, just it, I, I can smell it a lot more than I can smell those little gel balls. Oh, really? Yeah. Dude, I was just amazed me. at how much I could smell those little gel balls. Yeah. Like, uh, so I'll, I'll just, I'll run those crystals. Usually I'll do two bags at a time every mm. couple of weeks. And that really starts to play a major factor in June when the rut's happening. Right. When they're really thinking about that. Now, estrus does work any time of the year. It, mm. If they smell a sow and heat, they're going to come check it out. Right. Um, I've had it work in the beginning of May before. It's not what they're supposed to be thinking about, but, uh, you know, <laughs> they get the opportunity. I, I mean, anyway we'd have to get off into that but uh, i like using that and and like james you mentioned before that's just something that you just spread around the front of the bait pile Mm -hmm. just where they're coming into the bait so they have to walk on it i've got pictures of bears on their backs rolling around in it then they track that through the woods and all the bears smell the hot sow smell and they come back into the bait so that's pretty much the rundown of of what i've been using a lot of for the last few years that's pretty much my system of what i like to run yeah, I use a lot of those, the the paste and the tars too, mm-hmm. in addition. Um, and the thing I like about those is just how resistant they are to the elements. They are. You know, I mean, when you take that tar and it comes in a huge, I think it's a pint. Yeah, I'm um, pretty sure it's a pint. And, and I mean, it's this yeah, huge. Yeah, it's like a pint paint can. Yeah, yeah, like a paint can is exactly what it looks like. And I mean, that stuff is just thick. Yeah. It is dense. It is yeah. sticky. And, right. And, and what I like to do is I'll take... And I'll just scrape it into the bark and on a tree or, or sometimes you can put it on the barrel. It'll, it, it, it just sticks to everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it stays there mm-hmm. the whole season. And that's what I love about that stuff. Until they claw it down. Yeah. I mean, and, and they <laughs> which will is, too. Which is oftentimes why I have to freshen up the insane banana and anise mm-hmm. paste because they'll get up there and they'll, they'll wipe it off and right. lick it off their foot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you put a lot of that around like the, uh, the especially the paste. I like to put around like the, the hole in the barrel and everything like that mm, and it just kind yeah. of like gets them gets their their head right up in there yeah. you know? <laughs> but yeah. then oh well there's the dog food. okay cool you know yeah. and so what i like to do with the sprays is i'll put it on that stream when i'm setting up and i'll squirt like and if a spruce tree or something i'll just get it as high up there as i can get yeah. a nice, good just nice hit on the tree just Need get, to get nice, you a, a pool water gun blaster <laughs> <laughs> I, I see where you're coming from uh-huh yeah it's pretty cool <laughs> but like i said spray and run yeah <laughs> Because it's all going to come down. <laughs> right, right. I was talking specifically about the blueberry, but... Mm, yeah. You yeah. do it with a water gun, too. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, you can add a little bit of strategy to all of it, too. Oh, I yeah. mean, you, honestly, you should. Because, like, like I get the, the stripper glitter and the, the gel balls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I'll typically try to do there is I'll, I'll spread the stripper glitter around where I think they're going to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and yep, and yep. kind of in the more immediate area in front of the bait just to kind of get them drawn in there yeah and then i'll take that those little gel balls and i'll almost put them in like 
the center of a trail. Yep. Somewhere farther out, almost where some it would look like a, a sow would have squatted down for a little bit, you know, uh-huh. yeah. and, and just kind of create almost that that yeah. scenario where it just seems more real. They're they're smelling the estrus. They're yeah. it's located in spots it would normally be in if a, a bear had been there. They're coming in. They're smelling the nasty boar. Right. That tells them a, a boar has been there because um, yep. that's just like a, a excretion, I guess, kind of smell that they yep. make. And so it really, you can kind of create this scenario yeah. where they think, wow, a lot of bears have been here. I'm going to go check right. out what they're looking at. Now, I, I want to make one more point and then I have something else I wanted to bring up just real quick along the lines of, of supplementary things at the bait. Now, if you get real sharp bears that'll come in and that they'll, they'll figure out that something's up, if you give them things to go around and smell that are of greater attraction to their nose than the bait pile itself, Mm. then when they come in, sometimes they'll not come right into the bait site and they'll go hang out and sniff this one tree where you went and smeared a bunch of scent and, well, you don't have a shooting lane to that tree. So now they're sitting there scratching their back on something. Now, Mm -hmm. Oftentimes they will still come into the bait site, but be careful not to do all of your pastes and all your spray lures and everything. Keep that right out at the bait site area mm-hmm. within shooting sight distance. Yep. Absolutely. Because you don't want that bear to come in and be distracted by everything. Be that's behind o- your barricade. That's, <laughs> yeah, right. That is away from the bait pile itself or out of shooting mm-hmm. distance. Uh, other thing I was going to mention really quick, and this is not a Beta 907 product, but marshmallows. <laughs> when you yeah. uh, w- w- when you're hunting and you have a bear that might be tentative, mm. and I know we mentioned this with squirrels and and things that some other animals will get into, but when you're sitting in the stand, if you have a bear that's maybe acting a little bit timid, again, he doesn't really want to come in all that much. Um, a great trick is to just throw out a little trail of marshmallows, mm-hmm. just scatter them out, and lead it back into the bait pile, and if he's you know, not real interested or mm-hmm. if, if he knows something's up, you know, again, a few shots of that spray from your stand will help mask your own scent. And then a few of those marshmallows will get him to kind of come in a little bit closer and then he'll get convinced, all right, now I'm hungry and he'll come right into the bait pile. Mm. So it's just yeah. something else to consider. First, uh, first black bear I killed when I was 12, shot with a 30-30 and uh, my dad had spread some marshmallows on the bait and kind of around it, kind of spread out, just sprinkled them out right. both sides and and he was a very timid bear. There was a lot of big grizzlies in the area. And mm-hmm. He wasn't that big of a black bear. And uh, there was one kind of one big log onto one side of the bait. And uh, he'd circled like for a couple hours. We watched him. We'd see him and he'd move off and come back in. And uh, he finally approaches from the side of the log. And there's like a marshmallow on the other side of the log. And mm-hmm. he reached down and, and sucked that one up. And, and just kind of slowly, he could see another one on top of the log. And he yep. gets that one. Next thing you know, he's got his leg over. Once he had his first leg over the log after the marshmallows, that was it. He just, mm-hmm. he, he went in for the marshmallows, went in and started eating. And then pretty quickly, a little 12-year-old boy shot him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's, that's a great way to get those bears to come in that final mm-hmm. little distance uh-huh. if, they're, if they're unsure. But again, that marshmallow trail is not enough to make them stay out of there. That's mm-hmm. enough to get them eating something and it gets them enticed and yep. they want to get closer and yeah. they want to get closer and they want to get closer. If you, you know, if you spray a whole bunch of scents and lures and you put some paste on some trees that are back in the woods a bit and you mm-hmm. think oh, that'll help bring them in, you're going to hurt yourself in the long run yeah. because they're going to come in and they're going to spend some time at those scents and they might decide, you know what? 
I don't like what guy is sitting up in that tree right now. I, right. I don't like what that looks like. And I've got something that smells good right here. I'm going to lick on this, then leave. And I'll come mm-hmm. back later when he's not here. And well, they, they'll do that. They'll play cat and mouse with you. Yeah. And, and I think that just falls back to the whole strategy thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, and we talked about in the, uh, was it the last episode? Maybe the one before that about bear baiting when we, we talked about setting up your, your tree stand to your, to your barrel. Yeah. Tree. Yep. And that should be your, your primary focus for all of your strategy. Yeah. Your, your strategic setup for your bait, because realistically, that's the only thing that matters. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you can get a bear to come in on the top of this hill over here, right. if he's not going to be where you can shoot. Right. Exactly. Um, and so for a lot of those smears and a lot of those pastes, a lot of those things that are, that are going to be very strong smelling and things like that, I will strategically look at my tree stand as I'm, as I'm playing picking out which tree to put those on Mm. and, and making sure I'm always got a good shooting lane to my tree stand, depending on where I'm putting it. And especially, and even down to the nitty gritty of which side of the tree you put it on, Mm -hmm. because if you put it on the side of the tree facing away from you, well, now the bear might be on the other side of that tree. Yeah. You know, if he comes in and he's sniffing on that, on that uh, banana smell or molasses cookie or whatever it is, that tar that you put on that tree, right? He might, like you said, sit there and be there for yeah. a minute. And he was, he's behind the tree. Now you're just, right. You're just kind of stuck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Not, and now you're waiting on him to make so, his move. So definitely strategize with things like that. The sprays, you can be a little bit more, you know, just kind of a, a shotgun effect. You're Free. just trying to get yeah. that, that smell out there. They're not going to be sitting there right. on a spray on a leaf, right. you know, a little, little granule of spray on there, but things like, yeah, like with the tar and the, and the paste and the sprays, keep yeah. that within I would say five yards of your barrel, probably. Um, Definitely within shooting distance. Yeah. Don't put it somewhere where they're going to stand there and check it out and you don't have a shot. Right. Yeah. Strategize where it's going to be, how far it's going to be. One more thing I want to add. If you are driving to your bait on a road system and you are within a half mile of a road somewhere, make sure that you don't leave anything in the back of your pickup truck (laughs) that a bear (laughs) is going to get into. Okay. (laughs) There are, That's a a good pro of, tip there. there are a lot of stories about that of guys driving out, you know, w- whatever direction they go out of town and they, they walk off the road to their bear bait mm-hmm. and they get a black bear in the bed of their truck that just tears things up. Don't leave stuff in the bed of your truck that can bring a bear in. Now yeah. you're already going to have the scent in there that that smell that the scent has been in the bed of your truck driving out to wherever you're going to go. Um, don't leave bags of dog food in there. Mm-hmm. Don't leave extra scent in there. Keep that stuff with you. Don't bring a bunch of extra garbage and things like that. Keep the truck bed clean. Mm-hmm. If you got a topper, that's great. But I got a story that I could tell you about a friend of mine that had a black bear get in, opened his topper, yeah, and then climbed into his truck. Was it there when he got back? His truck? No, yeah. no. <laughs> The bear stole it. <laughs> I mean, the bear was the bear in the truck. I, I don't think so. I mean, so. that'd be the great place no. to shoot it. Boom. No. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that would classify as shooting on or across a roadway. Yeah. <laughs> but it would also be DLP. Yeah. I mean, right. I, I so, guess if your truck's there, it's a drivable surface. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Sorry, um, sorry officer. It was an auto theft. <laughs> He's trying to steal my truck. Um, oh boy. No, I was going to say also same applies to a wheeler. Yes. Mm. You're probably going to have a little bit of scent on your wheeler once again. Oh yeah. It's, it's inevitable. You're going to drip some grease on it or whatever, but don't leave a gallon of, or don't leave, leave a half jug of grease on your, on your wheeler. No. No. I've, I've heard a story of a guy who, who went in to bait up and he had spilled grease all over his wheeler. 
and he left his wheeler and went in to hunt. I didn't see a bear. Mm. Did not see a bear. Bummer. Got out to his wheeler. Seat was gone. Yeah. <laughs> it was chewed to pieces. Yeah. He made, I think, if I remember right, he even like heard the commotion over there and just knew what was happening. Oh, you know, man. you know, the crazier one than that is gasoline. Yeah, they will go nuts over the smell. Bears of gasoline. love gas I, jugs, man. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. But if you're gassing up your wheeler uh-huh. before heading out to your bait, make sure you don't spill any on the seat or anything like that. Yeah. Most of the time, it'll it'll it. Um, from my experience, most of the time, it it's it off gases. By the time I get out there, but, yeah. I've heard a lot of horror stories really? just like but, that but, but of leaving, guys going in there, but leaving gas jugs in your pickup truck, yeah, you know, in, in the bed of your truck, yeah, you they know. will just chew into them like crazy. Be careful with like that; it's nobody's <laughs> business, right? But so I think, are there any other scents or smell goods you guys want to no, talk I, about? I don't think that's. I, yeah. I think that's pretty much a. Um, we finally got through sense. We did we finally did. get through sense. We, we were going to try to cover this in the last bear baiting episode, and we just yeah. <laughs> there's so much to it, talk yeah. about. Yeah, and it looks like we're at what are that two and a half hours now. So yeah, yeah. I think it's about there. time to wrap this one up yeah. here. We'll yeah. uh, we'll get into how to hunt the bait in this next coming up one. We'll talk about yeah how long to let it sit for before checking it, how often to check it, what gun to bring, things like that. It's going to be a whole yeah. other whole another conversation. Absolutely. Set up while you're in the stand, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, everything. How to be comfortable. So, but absolutely. But. Yep. While you're on your hunt. <laughs> I almost said that. Just, just no, just, just so you, you, you can't take that away from me. <laughs> no, this is, this is my mountain. <laughs> um, Push you off. While you're on your hunt, I know we already talked about this at the beginning of the show, but I want to remind everybody, if you like our show, you like what we're doing, you want to support us, go shop. Go click to our website, thenorthernhunter.com, and click on our partners page. That'll show you what partners are working with right now. Obviously, the heavy hitter of today's episode was Batum 907. Mm -hmm. We have a discount code through them. You can get 10% off any order from them on select items. I think it's most items. And uh, that is TNHP is the discount code at checkout. Also shop Yukon River Knives for any of your knife needs in the backcountry, taking apart bears, processing bear meat. Um, flesh and bear hides, you name yeah. it, they've got it. And use the discount code for Yukon River Knives, the Northern Hunter at checkout. And also, of course, not to forget Ryan Lampers and Stealthy Hunters products. Also, the Northern Hunter discount mm-hmm. code at checkout. That'll get you a discount code on all his uh, rifle covers, glassing pads, nutritional supplements, yep. and things of that nature from Ryan's website there. Keep, keep that nasty bore off your rifle. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, not to forget about uh, not to forget about Weatherby and Hammer Bullets. I know we had a discussion at the beginning of this show about uh, the rifle that I was working up a load for, and then also Mariah as well. We will all be shooting Hammer Bullets at our bear baits this year, and we hope that you will give them a try as well. If not for this spring, then for your upcoming fall hunts as well. They're great bullets. They mm. shoot great. And uh, we hope to be proving uh, to, I mean, in our experiences that they'll kill dead or no doornail. And uh, there's a lot of proof out there to back that up. And we're excited to try them out. So shop for a new rifle if you're in search of that at weatherby.com. And also shop for your bullet needs. And most of them are in stock mm. at hammerbullets.com. Mm. Right. Ready to ship. Yes, sir. Uh, all That's right. all I've got. I'd make another comment on on the hammer bullets real quick. There's a lot of places, not a lot, but there's a few places that load hammer bullets. If you don't do your own hand loads and you really want to try out hammer bullets, mm-hmm. um, we don't work with these companies, but you've got Hendershot is, is is one that has a lot of loads available mm-hmm. in hammer bullets. And there's other things like I that. I think Unknown Munitions. I, I unknown believe munitions they do. I believe they do. Hammer, yeah. if you go to their Instagram, they actually have a, a, a picture they posted 
It was our Facebook of of all the different brands. Mm-hmm. There's like half a dozen different brands yeah. that load them. Weatherby all, cartridges. Yeah. Weatherby yeah. loads, I think, nine different cartridges right yeah. now so, with so hammer just, bullets. Yeah. If you can't, if you're not doing your own hand loads and you just don't even want to worry about it, it is more expensive to go these other routes. Yeah, but for I think it's custom worth ammo. It. Right. Yeah. I really think it would be worth it if I wasn't going to do my own loads. You know, I, I could go get from Hender Shots. I could go get uh, loads with hammers from there for a lot of cartridges. So absolutely. Well, guys, if you like the show, make sure you give us a rating on whatever platform you're listening to it on. If you are, uh, if you are feeling like we did a good job, you could definitely, um, sorry, you could definitely leave us a review. We appreciate that and uh, let uh, share it with your friends. Let everybody know that they can come here for all their bear baiting and any other hunting that we talk about information. Um, if you'd like to talk to us directly, ask us questions or make a comment on anything we talked about today, you can hit us up at our website. If you go to thenorthernhunter.com, we've got a nice contact button there. If you want to hit us up with an email, you can just go to info at thenorthernhunter.com or search at the Northern Hunter on either Instagram and Facebook, and we'll be there. Uh, like I said, this is a pre-recorded episode, so if you do send us the message, keep an eye out on whatever platform you sent us that message on. We'll try to reply as fast as we can because episodes are going to be pushed out a little bit. So, but until next week, guys, get out there, get after it. Good luck. See you next time. All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and actions securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA.